Wake up, wake up, 49ers fans. You are in the playoffs, Larry. It starts Saturday evening, a road to Las Vegas. First step, Santa Clara. First step, Green Bay Packers. And that's what we're talking about for the next couple hours. How are you, brother? Doing great, man. Good morning to everybody. Happy Friday, uh, January the 19th. It is go time. I spent three days down in Santa Clara talking to everybody and anybody, talking to a lot of the players individually. The Niners are rested. They're ready. They respect their opponent. Not an ounce of fear. And it's go time, baby. Biggest impressions of just being around the team, the feeling of looseness, tightness. I mean, the one thing that I think anyone can agree on that has been covering this team is there's never been more pressure at the beginning of the playoffs to where, you know, even the reasonable among us are saying, you better damn well be in the Super Bowl three weekends from now. And, and what impressions, Damon? Yes. Are we starting off the show with impressions? Um, <laughs> you know, Tom, it's so cute that the Niners are still going after the Super Bowl. Um, it's uh, but don't you agree? I mean, this this yeah. feels like it's it's Vegas or Bust. galactic failure. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's such a it's such a hard way to live. But um, you know what? This is you know it's almost like life at the bottom of the pole in the NFL. You know, it's like you got to produce. Or there's the effing door. You know what I mean? Right. Every guy in that practice squad, every guy that's not one of the top 20 or 30 guys in this team, every guy that's deemed replaceable is under that same uh, standard of, you know what? You do it or you don't. And if you don't, you're gone. And I'm not saying Shanahan's going to be gone because that's ridiculous. But there is no ambiguity about the standard this year. It's not going to be okay to, well, they, you know, they look good. It just didn't happen. No, it's either going to be elation and they get to and win the Super Bowl, or it's going to be devastation and uh, they fell short and there's going to be an avalanche of criticism. So well, embrace it and just go with it. There are some people who, because of their lack of experience covering the league, they're in Every year's got to be winning the Super Bowl. If you're not winning the Super Bowl every year, you're failing every year. That's really not how the league works. It's not how teams' competitive life cycles work. And there are plenty of years where you're clearly not going to be contending or competing for a Super Bowl. So you got to be able to acknowledge those. And then I think on the other side of that coin, you got to be able to acknowledge when it is time. And it truly is, without exaggeration, without you know, the the fandom seeping into coverage, it really is time for the Niners to reach the mountaintop of this league. They are prepared. As you said, they are rested. They are focused. And they are, and this is the most important key ingredient. Larry, this is the healthiest the 49ers have been all year. I don't remember one injury report where there was only one out. Cleland Farrell is the only he's not playing on the entire roster of the San Francisco 49ers. And to me, that doubles down on the, you must have the night, the night against the Packers. You know, I, I wanted to interview Dre Greenlaw yesterday at the end of the media session. And uh, Dre's like, yeah, man, let's talk. And then the, the session ran out. He was talking a little bit to Brock at his locker, but Dre's going to go, you know, I mean, he's listed as questionable. Um, he's, he's having some pain in the Achilles area, but, um, 
you know, he's going to go and I think he probably got a shot for it and he's pro- and he's he's ready to roll. I mean, he's going to play in this game. He's had time off. Um, and the, other than that, Cleveland Farrell's the only guy that's not going to go. And it's a loss because they're going to need uh, either Austin Bryant or Robert Beal or somebody else, you know, Nick Bosa and Chase Young, uh, Randy Gregory. Somebody's going to have to step up without Clee because Clee's been in that rotation. Look, I'm glad but, that Robert Beal got himself some yeah. real live big boy snaps in the season finale against the Rams. And he, with his number, what was it, 51? Is that what he's wearing? 51, 52, yeah. 51, 52. He, he kept on jumping on the screen to me. I mean, he is fast. He's got a motor. So I, I would like to see him get snaps. I really would. I think that he's going to, to fit the bill. Now, Farrell has been, I think, a really good story for the 49ers, but he's one of those guys, you know, like you said, Larry, he's on the edge of the roster. Even though he's an important player, he's one of those, anything he gives you is the gravy. He's not the actual, the entree. Um, Beal can be that guy. I think Randy Gregory has got to step up into that role in a big-time way this postseason to be that other guy who might not be ballyhooed but has himself a really good afternoon of football in one of these next, hopefully, three games that the 49ers are playing in. Um, I know that you've talked to – well, before before we talk to about all the things we've talked about all week as we've gotten ready for this game with our own guests and whatnot, um, take me into the Niners' locker room. What did you see? What was the overwhelming feeling that you got from the players or, or any one specific conversation? Well, I did an extended conversation yesterday with um, Logan Ryan. And, you know, I, I, it was funny. I said, hey, you know, you're one of the veterans in the room. The Niners have five young DBs and they need those young DBs to play. And I said to him, you know, if a young player came up to you this week and asked you for advice, you know, you've won, you've been in two super, he's got two super bowls. I mean, this guy's got a lot of experience and he said, you know what, this isn't the week to try a new pill. This isn't a new week to try a new sleep method. This isn't a new week to, you know, stay with your, stay with your process, you know, stay with what's worked for you. Um, don't make any big changes this week, you know, trying to, you know, chase perfection, just stay within yourself be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Uh, be accountable to your teammates. Know where you're supposed to be. So it was a simple message from him, but one that was, I think, you know, I took it as, you know, don't panic. Don't change. You know, trust your process. Stay with it and um, get your head in the playbook. Know where, you, where you're supposed to be and when. Um, you know the plan. And, and then just go out there and let your, and, and play, you know, play physical and play fast. I mean, that's really it. That was his message. Um, you know, I talked to Colton McKivitz extensively about what his job is. Cause I think his job's huge. He's going to have Rashawn Gary who lined up on his side 400 times this year. And, you know, um, you know, Colton has done, watched all the cutups of all the D linemen. And he said, Hey, look, they were, they rush five a lot. And, um, so you got to, and, and they don't do a lot of blitzing, but they do rush five and they'll sometimes rush guys that, you, you know, won't, you won't necessarily be the five that you think are coming and they'll drop other guys into coverage, but he's like, they, they're going to rush five and we're going to have to be prepared for it. So, I mean, there was just a lot of individual con- uh, conversations. Brock Purdy um, is, you know, a lot of people say, well, he's been off for 21 days. 
I think the Niners did something really good in these 21 days, Damon, is they they drove that kid film work, uh, perfecting the mistakes that he made during the year, cleaning up his technique, really get really working him hard. And um, so, yeah, he hasn't played. But, man, he has been working really hard, watching film on the field, trying to perfect his craft. So, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of that. Um, what's, and, the, what's, and, been the, uh, what's been the level of contact at practice? Because you obviously don't want to have guys putting the thunder on each other. No one wants a uh, practice injury before the playoffs start. But you also don't want to go tippy-toeing around and set the wrong tone for what's coming, the hardest-hitting football game you're going to be in all year long. That's what's coming. And yeah. what, what, how did Shanahan deal with the actual physicality of the last two weeks of practice? They went live. They went live with pads, uh, Friday, um, you know, uh, ones versus ones. Um, and you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, that's a good way to go about it, but that was last week, this week, they, temp, you know, they, they, it was much, you know, they didn't go with, with hitting right. and that kind of thing. Walk through shells. They're not in full pads. Yeah, they weren't in full pads this week, and there wasn't hitting, but they actually had a live training camp-like practice last week on Friday. And um, Thursday and Friday were two back-to-back -back pretty intense practices by all accounts. And a lot of guys feel like it It was great. Um, some of the guys said we absolutely needed that, you know, just to, just to, just to get in that right frame of mind and to not have the rust. So, I mean, the beautiful part about this is that Shanahan's got a really good playoff record. He's never lost a playoff game at home. He's got a real good idea and sense of his team this year, what they needed. And I think they hit the ground running in this game. It, if, if they lose this game, it won't be because of their plan or, oh, that was the other thing that came across, Damon. I need to mention this. Without me asking, I would say at least a half dozen guys referenced, we really like the plan this week. So that's always good. And I asked Shanahan, I said, do you have to sell your plan to these guys? I mean, not only do you come up with the plan, but do you have to sell it to them? And he first, he's like, God, I hope not. And then he said, you know, um, it's always great, though, when the guys really, you know, believe in the plan um, and are invested mentally and emotionally in the plan and and have that total belief in it. Right. That's always a good thing. The theme that's always come from the guys in the locker room is Kyle doesn't want you to learn how to run a play. He wants you to understand how the play is run. And there's a difference there, right? There really is. I know that that sounds like, well, you're just saying the same thing two different ways. I'm not. It's, there, it's the why. It's, it's, the, it's not just the what. It's the what and the why. Yes. Yeah. And, and look, Shanahan doesn't give very much right he he plays his cards very close to the vest a lot you know as all coaches do but do you have any inkling as to what that plan might be larry is the plan the obvious thing that you and i've been talking about together all week and with our guests all week that this really feels like if shanahan gets off a 40 carry game the niners win it the plan should be RPM runs per minute, fresh runs, fresh legs, running it like Chip Kelly tempo. And it's McCaffrey, McCaffrey, Mitchell, McCaffrey in the slot up. Oh, Jordan Mason's back there now. Fresh legs, Debo, Debo end around, Debo lined up as a running back, Debo coming from anywhere. Deep did, did Debo tunnel screen. Uh, to me, this is the 
keep fresh legs, knees and elbows running at the Packers. And it feels like the easiest way to go about winning this game. I think it's going to be the Christian McCaffrey invitational, to be honest. Okay. I really do. I think the Niners are going to run the ball a ton. Um, you know, this this uh, this Green Bay team is 28th in the league against the run. I mean, that what really stands out, it's who runs the ball better and who stops the run better. Uh, the 49ers have the number three rushing offense. Green Bay's got the number 28 rushing defense. The Niners have the number three rush defense. Green Bay's got the mid-pack 15th rush offense. So it's stop Aaron Jones on defense uh, first and foremost. Make make Jordan Love play from the pocket. Make him go through his progressions. And then it's a lot of Christian McCaffrey. I really believe that. And then the thing that really stands out when you look at uh, you know this team defensively, Green Bay, is that Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker are not guys who can cover the running back out of the backfield. And Quay Walker, I think I heard Greg Papa say it when I was driving down to the facility. Um, you know, there's no question. Quay Walker is probably more of a defensive end who's a little undersized and is playing inside linebacker. He's a much better player moving forward than he is going backward. And Devondre Campbell just doesn't move well at all. And I just think that you're going to see Debo in the backfield. You're going to see CMC in the backfield. Um, and they're going to make those guys the conflict defender. And they're going to make those guys prove that they can cover. Um, but, you know, the, the stat of stats to me is the 49ers this year are 10 and 1 when Christian McCaffrey goes for 75 yards. So they're going to run the heck out of Christian McCaffrey. And Damon, there was one. If there was one guy in that room this week that was just all about business, Christian McCaffrey. And he just mentioned that the Niners have been in a, you know, focus and a, we, we're going to go back to the Super Bowl kind of intensity and, and singular mindset since minicamp. And he led that charge in minicamp. You were there in training camp. You saw how he stood out from his peers. Um, Christian McCaffrey is going to be the biggest. I think he's going to be the biggest player on the field for the Niners. Well, he's really been one of the biggest players on the field in the NFL all year long. Welcome to wake up. It's great to have you here. Larry and I getting very aggressive with these wake up programs surrounding this Packers game to the point where it's wonderful to have you here. Please hit like subscribe, Larry. I know um, you began your day with a new member. I didn't, I did not write down the gentleman's name, but you have a new member. So welcome to all members on both. There he is. Richard hey. Hutchinson's in the house, everybody. Let's give it up. Give it up for rich. Big Dick Hutchinson. There he is. <laughs> there Thank he is. Much. Richard, welcome to, uh, welcome to membership. Welcome to a little football knowledge and welcome to wake up. Uh, again, like and subscribe, good friends. That's how you help the algorithm kiss us on the forehead. And also, we will be back for our forehead kisses Sunday at 9 a.m. We are going to do a special day after. We're going to push it back an hour since Larry's going to be at the stadium late. It's a late night for me as well. Uh, 9 a.m. on Sunday, 49ers wake up, win or lose. And then Monday, we will continue with 49er wake up, win or lose. No, don't call it 49er wake up. They don't like that. Wake up, win or lose. And uh, we are going to be at it. And then should 
this team really be in the NFC title game. Expect a few more of these programs to be popping up throughout the week. And uh, uh, it's certainly something that we're looking forward to doing. And Larry, I'm just going to tell you right now, the flight to Las Vegas has been booked. It has been, it has been booked. So hopefully that's something that you and I are doing together. Um, And I just, this is the year where it feels like it really has to happen. It has to be this year. Now, having said, I didn't want to jinx it by booking the flight, but let's just say this. I've looked into the rental car situation and we may be road tripping uh, on this end. Wow. And I, I, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop by Cal Poly and scoop up Kev. And uh, we're going to make beautiful music uh, all week long in Vegas. So we're, uh, we're, we're not so arrogant. We're buying non-refundable flights here, Larry. I mean, we've got a little travel <laughs> insurance going on. You know, we're not trying to, we're not trying to mess with the football guy. I just don't want to, I, I just don't want to, yeah. I mean, I just, I, you know, I just don't want to put the cart before the horse. I want to give proper respect to Green Bay and Detroit. I do believe right. it'll be Detroit. But I can tell um, you there are limited flights out of the Bay Area to Las Vegas should yeah. this team actually get to the Super Bowl. Get your seat now if you can. Yeah, but look at it this way. If you're going to go great road trip with your son, that sounds like an awful lot of fun too. So either way, hopefully you and I are both there. The Niners, like we said, they better be there. And having said all that, it could be the Green Bay Packers that pose the biggest threat. I mean, we'll worry about the Lions or the Buccaneers the week after should they win. But I really do think that this might be the best other team remaining in the NFC side of the bracket, but for the 49ers. Larry, the Packers are, are more than a neat story, and this is what I've kind of found out all this week as I've been leaning into who they are and how they got here and the metamorphosis of their season because their season – I mean, just it's like it's like a song, right? Their season begins really soft and low, and you don't really notice it, and then it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds, and then at the end, it's freaking my heart will go on. And Celine Dion has got veins popping out of her neck. She's singing so hard, and this song is such a arousing ending. Do you realize that the Packers against the Dallas Cowboys? Put up an offensive DVOA of 189.9, which is the best in franchise history. I mean, they came out and put a game and a molly whopping on the, the Dallas Cowboys that was one for the ages. It really was. There was only some cosmetic scoring at the end of that game that made it look closer than it really was. They didn't just beat the Dallas Cowboys. They beat the ever-living shit out of the Dallas Cowboys. That's how good they were. And I don't think a team that is just lucky to be here gets to win quite like that. Um, they really have turned into something of a threat, a true honest-to-God threat through the play of not just Jordan Love, but you know, I had Bart Winkler, who's been a longtime talk show host in Milwaukee, on with me yesterday. And he says, Look, we, you know, like, like, like always. We concentrate on quarterback head coach. They're the guys who get the close-ups in between the plays. He's like the play of this entire Packers team around love 
is really the difference. It's Jordan Love isn't this good this early, taking this big a step forward. You got a bunch of young guys on this team who took significant steps forward in their careers in the last eight weeks of this season. It's two different teams. It's two totally different outfits almost. And the Green Bay Packers that you saw in September aren't here anymore. They've been replaced by these guys, this new version of the Green Bay Packers, who are absolutely a threat. Look at it this way. If the Packers shock the world and beat the 49ers, don't be surprised to see them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I, and I totally concur. Um, and Niner fans were getting mad at me earlier this week when I was singing the praises of this Packers team. Um, if you see it any other way, I don't think you're seeing it. And these people that are predicting the Niners to just wipe the floor with this team. All right, 51-3 Niners. I, I I really don't think so. It'd be great. So <laughs> let's see. I don't it. think so either. Yeah. Um, Jordan Love. Let's start, let's start right there because Jordan Love started the year and you know, in, in in the middle of November, he's got 14 touchdowns, 10 picks. They're three and six. He's been sacked 19 times. Okay. From that point on, the next nine games or whatever, uh, 21 touchdowns, one pick, sacked only 11 times. So I bring up the sack total because I think that's a big key for Green Bay. I mean, they're the number two pass block win rate offensive line. Uh, Rasheed Walker at left tackle, Elgin Jenkins at left guard, uh, Zach Tom at right tackle. I mean, they've got some some pretty good offensive linemen. They're good at good as run blockers. Nick Bosa said that early in the week, but obviously they're doing a nice job at protecting Jordan Love. And as he's gotten protection, he's made he's become a better decision maker. He's in sync with LaFleur. Um, you know, he's got this one thing where that he's doing that's very Brett Favre like in that he gets to the top of his drop and then he just drifts, you know, he drifts and creates a little bit more time for himself to get open or for his receivers to get open and they're doing a great job. They totally neutralized Micah Parsons last weekend up front. Uh, they allowed only one pressure in 19 pass, pass rush snaps to, uh, to Parsons. Um, so that's a big key. I mean, can Tom and Walker block Bosa and chase young and Randy Gregory and Beal up front. Uh, Dallas was held without a sack. And Bosa was, you know, third in the NFL this year with 95 pressures. So um, that's that's a big part of the game, right? Right there. And then um, the other part is, you know, Green Bay started slowly because um, they didn't go into the they didn't go into free agency for a veteran tight end or veteran wide receiver. They said we're going to do it in the draft, and Gutekunst went into the draft and found good really good players and unfortunately they're young so they gave away the first half of the year but now they're in they're in rhythm with love and he's got you know i mean craft and musgrave are pro bowl caliber tight yeah, ends luke, luke musgrave's gonna go to work in the middle of that field no no, no, he's no. fast he's yeah. not just six six he's fast and then and then that's not it i mean you know dontavion wicks the virginia receiver has four touchdowns this season. Doesn't sound great, but all of them have come in the last three weeks. So he's he's playing great. 
And Dobbs is a terrific, well-rounded, intermediate threat. They use Jaden Reed, the rookie from Michigan State, on a lot of their motions. Um, and Bo Melton is shifty. Christian Watson's their vertical threat. And every single one of these guys, I mean, if you look the last seven weeks, I think there's like seven different Packers in the last seven weeks that have led them in receiving. So it's not in the like the Niners in the past going against Green Bay where you knew, hey, if you can take away Devontae Adams, tilt all the coverage to Devontae, you got a reasonable expectation you could bother Rodgers. There's any number of guys that he can go to, including Aaron Jones out of the backfield. So right. love spreads it around. He, he spreads, spreads it around. And Jones has gone for over at least 111 yards now, four weeks in a row. So and you he know brings tremendous momentum into this game. What they also do, Larry, is, and this is another thing that as the Packers got better, LaFleur became more aggressive in his play calling. And this team, if the Green Bay Packers on their side of the field are looking at a third and four, they might be taking an end zone shot right there. Yeah. And and Love's been hunting big plays. He takes a lot shots, and it's not just against Dallas. This is how the second half of the season is gone. They take shots from midfield. They look for big plays from their own side of the field. Oh, they only need to pick up four for a first down and stay ahead of the chains. They might be going for it right there. So that is where the 49ers really need to be Johnny on the spot. Third and six doesn't mean defend this fucker for seven yards. It means you better be looking for an end zone shot here too because they're going to be looking for it. They are aggressive on fourth down. Larry, they're throwing touchdowns on fourth down, not just looking to pick up first down. So um, it's th- that's where a coach getting confidence in his team becomes something of a dangerous equation to figure out. Now, look, the 49ers have the same thing going for them. Not only do they have the same thing going for them, they got a better version of what the Packers have going for them, of what the Packers do. But there is, and you and I even put a short out this week, there's an awful lot of echo between these two offenses, and it makes sense. It really does. You know, LaFleur and Shanahan have coached together an awful lot of offensive snaps going back to Washington Redskins days, going back to uh, Atlanta Falcons days. Uh, These two guys have worked together a long time. There's a lot of, you know, common knowledge and I think similar game goals in both of their minds. And so it's, it's not abstract that these two teams would look a little bit like each other. There is a level of balance. There is a little of um, respecting the run and taking those shots when they're there that, that just both these teams do that. And I think both these teams are going to be doing it against each other Sunday night, Saturday night. And it's, it's a lot's going to come back down to who takes care of the football. You know, it's really as simple as that. And that's the, that is why that's another reason why this green Bay team is so freaking scary because Jordan love right now is taking great care of the football. The reality is the Niners had four games this year where they had at least two turnovers in those games. They went one and three in those games. Um, The Niners have a turnover in every loss they've had this season. Green Bay on the other hand, only has 18 takeaways, which is 23rd in the NFL. So, you know, it's not like they typically take it away. They did last week against Dallas, um, but they don't typically take it away. But the 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 49ers, whoever takes better care of the football here 
is I think the the Niners will do a better job than Dallas did on this Green Bay offense, but this Green Bay offense is very very legit, and they're gonna score points. So it's if the Niners think they're gonna get in one of these games, crap out in the red zone, score seventeen, and get out of there with a the win, think again. It's not gonna happen. They're gonna have to score. They're gonna have to convert in the red zone. Um, they're gonna have to score touchdowns in the red zone. And they're gonna have to take care of the football. If 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 the and but on paper, the 49ers should be able to do they sh, in the who's gonna do a better job of running the ball, stopping the run. On paper, it should be the Niners. Uh, but then the turnover thing could be the equalizer. Um, and then the other thing to watch for on Green Bay's side is Jair Alexander did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, is he going to go? And then Carrington Valentine, um, if you look at some of those numbers, Valentine has struggled this year. Uh, so, you know, can they pick on him? He was a seventh-round pick. Uh, the, the, the Packers' numbers against tight ends and against receivers are not good either. Um, Green Bay's pass defense gave up 100.3 rating to wide receivers, Damon. That was 28th in the NFL. And Green Bay's defense allowed a 105.8 quarterback rating to tight ends. That's 23rd in the NFL. So the Niners should be able to pass it or run it. Um, and and I, I think the Niners are going to have a lot of success offensively. They can't turn it over. There are... Uh, there are two championship caliber offenses on the field Saturday night at Levi's. There's only one championship caliber defense on the field at Levi's on Saturday night. And that needs to be the difference. That's it right there. The 49ers defense is the difference in this game because I do think the Packers are going to get into the twenties. I think the 49ers are going to get into the thirties uh, in terms of scoring. I, I, I three touchdowns for the Packers. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened. Um, Again, and uh, there's some people in the chat saying, you know, Larry and Damon, you guys need to relax. We got this. You're fear mongering. You know, you no. You, you, no, 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 no. This is you. And 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 you're the same. And just ask yourself this question. Who did you have last week in Dallas Green Bay? And I know you had Dallas. Well, I had Green Bay. So don't tell me I'm fear mongering. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you, you just we all hope for the best. And we're all optimistic. And the 49ers on paper should win. But if you're in this mindset that this is going to be some old-fashioned route, you are wrong, okay? And if you don't expect the Green Bay to be damn good in this game, you're going to be wrong again. So I'll say it right now, and I hope I can say it loud enough for the people in the back. I really believe that this will be the 49ers' toughest playoff game. Tougher than next week, tougher than the Super Bowl. This is well, a Super team Bowl. that's no, no. I think this is the tougher game than the Super Bowl. I really do, because this team is rolling and they're so young, and the Niners have to do something in the first quarter that's going to be very difficult to do. They're going to have to halt the momentum of a Green Bay team that has a ton of it coming in, and they're going to have to, off of a twenty-day break, establish their own rhythm and their own momentum on the fly. And and dist and you know, display no rustiness. That's a that's a tall order for the first quarter of this playoff game. Um, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying they got a lot of work to do. And this Green Bay team is legit. And yeah, Green Bay's defense is not the Niner caliber defense. But guess what? 
Rashawn Gary, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark are all number one picks. Right. It's, it's like it's like the context of arm strength. You know, even if it's not the best ever, it just needs to be good enough. You know, and and that's what the Packers got defensively. It's not great, but it is NFL caliber. It is good. It's good enough. Um, good enough to beat the 49ers. I don't think so. And that's why they're getting 10 points, nine and a half, whatever it is. But this is a legitimate Green Bay Packers team. And even if they lose poorly, that's still a legitimate Green Bay Packers team. Okay. Um, you know, somebody in Moon Man here is saying, you know, how the fuck are the Packers a championship caliber offense? Well, there's only one team with a better way to DVOA than the 49ers offensively, and it's the Green Bay Packers. And what don't they do well? I mean, they they... They're running the ball really effectively. Backwards. It's the only team with a better way to DVOA offensively than the Packers is the Niners. Well, let's just go go through it though. I mean, Green Bay's offense. Okay, they they've got this. They've got this offensive line. I don't love offensive line stats. The one that I do like or really believe in is pass block win rate. Yeah, they are number two in the NFL pass block win rate. So they block, they block your rush. They give their quarterback time. They've got a running back that comes into this game having rushed for 111 yards in each of the last four games, and he's a receiver out of the backfield, and he's a veteran. He's been here before. Look, look at what they just they just totally neutralized Dallas. Say whatever you want about Dallas. Rushing the quarterback has really not been a problem all year. They didn't even come close against the Packers. Yeah, I mean. Plus, they've got two really good tight ends. They got a bunch of receivers. All, and the, the scary part about Green Bay is that they are so young that they're that you know the rest disadvantage may not may not bother them. The the travel issues may not bother them. They're so young that there's no expectation. The, the Niners are the ones that have the expectation. The Niners are the ones that are the one seed. The, the pack's going to roll in loose, loose with momentum, with a ton of young players that are all, all talented. All, all these guys they have are really, really talented. So um, don't make, don't look at this and go, oh, the Niners have nine pro bowlers and Green Bay has none. The Niners are going to wipe the floor with them. No, no, well, I mean, not. And just haven't you watched enough football either this season alone or in your life where you've, I mean, if you haven't learned the lesson by now, that nothing is guaranteed in this league. You just haven't been paying attention. You just haven't been. And they're, it, it, the hardest thing I think to do is to live up to standards week in, week out. And Kyle, even though he hasn't delivered a Lombardi trophy, the standards that this team has met week in, week out over the last five years has been pretty damn extraordinary. That's why I think we get so you know angry at people who can't even see it. You know, who think that, oh, with you know, there, there's no good football happening unless it is a Lombardi. Th that's not the way it works. An awful lot of good football can be put into a football year and you still don't end up with a Lombardi trophy. That's the way this league works. And let me tell you, there's always a one seed that feels like it goes down. And I don't know if the Texans are going to beat the Ravens. And that would put the 49ers is that maybe it's you. 
So I, I like the Texans to beat the Ravens. By the way, I kind of like the Texans to beat the Ravens too. I didn't want you to take that from me. I had that later on. I'm taking the Texans, Larry. Yeah. Well, but, but, but once again, though, Jordan Love leads the NFL in a number of passing categories since week 11. Aaron Jones is hot. Their young wide receivers and tight ends are coming on strong. Their old line is, t- is number two in pass block win rate. And 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 they're in you know they're loose and there's no pressure on them. How about this? Let's just well, let me, put it in a, let, let's put it in a language everyone can understand. The Philadelphia Eagles had peaked too early, written all over them. The Green Bay Packers are peaking at the perfect time. They're yeah. peaking at the perfect time for a team that's in the postseason, just young and dumb enough to not understand the pressure of it all. They're playing really good football at the most important time of the year to play really good football. That's what we're saying. That's what we're stressing on this version of Wake Up Today. Neither Larry nor I believe the Packers are going to win this game. But we also believe the Packers are absolutely qualified and built to possibly win this game, which conceptually any NFL team is. So you got to be doubly on the spot when you think it's a better than average NFL team who's on a way above average NFL heater right now. That's what the Packers are. The Packers are a hot, young team who's ahead of schedule. We've seen that in the Bay Area. They're dangerous. That's all yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, all dangerous. I'm saying is this is a dangerous team. And have proper respect for your opponent. T-Dub. So will Larry admit he was fear-mongering when they win by 35? The Niners are now, I'll, I'll say this with total confidence. The 49ers are not winning this game by 35. If you think they are, you are wrong. They are not winning this game by 35. They are not. Uh, Green Bay, whether the Niners lead or or trail, they're it doesn't matter. They're not winning this game by 35. Larry, Put that I'll, down in ink. I'll lay the nine and a half. I'm not laying the 35. I won't lay the nine and a half. But I, not, I, not, I do, no, no, I won't lay the nine and a half. But I will say this. There are reasons to like the Niners. Should we get to those? Yes. We okay, here's have, one. I gotta to throw this to you. And I and I and I did a lot of research on this. I got to the Niner facility two hours early yesterday and just dug through every factoid, every angle. I I mean, I seriously had I it was amazing the reams of facts that I dug up yesterday on the game. And this is one that really stood out to me. Teams that win as six point dogs or higher the previous week, that would be Green Bay. Uh, and our six-point dogs again the next week, that would be Green Bay, are just 3-13 and 13 straight up over the last 20 years. So this is something that I was talking about with Bart Winkler yesterday. And he said it's often that a young, got-here-ahead-of-schedule team Knocks down the door of their wild card game, gets everybody in the NFL kind of talking about them, going, look at these guys, how about them? And then it's that second week of playoff caliber football that overwhelms the underdog. And hopefully that's in play here. Hopefully that's fully in play. Larry, I hope you're wrong. I hope they win by 40, okay? But 
It's probably not going to happen. I think the Packers are good enough to wave off any sort of embarrassing level of defeat, but I do think they're going to be defeated by a better 49ers team that regardless of the you know, underdog winning by this many points and then being underdogs again by that many points. It's like the Niners are just a better football team. Their A-plus game should beat the Packers' A-plus game. But if the Niners play a B-plus game while the Packers are playing an A-plus game, then all of a sudden you've turned the ball over twice and those are fatal flaws in the postseason. Uh, we got a guy in here who says, Larry's acting like love is Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, Jordan Love, by the way, in weeks 1 through 10, 16th in EPA per play, 25th in success rate, 38th in completion percentage. Jordan Love from week 11 on, 2nd in EPA per play, 3rd in success rate, 3rd in completion percentage. The kid's playing ball. But back to why the Niners are going to win. Teams on short rest in the playoffs facing a team who's not on short rest in the playoffs. 5 and 12 straight up in the last 20 years 20 years so the niners have the rest the packers are on the short rest teams in the playoffs in the last 20 years in that situation go 5 and 12 green bay in other words that doesn't bode well for them shanahan 4-0 straight up at home as a playoff favorite lafleur 18 and 2 in december but we're not in december in January, LaFleur is seven and five. So it's not like he's wiping the floor with anybody in January. Plus, Kyle Shanahan's got some serious ownage over his own coaching tree. Yeah. Which LaFleur is from. That's a, another great point. So I think that there's a little of that working in the 49ers' favor. And they're just, they're, they are, they're the better team. They're the more experienced team. They, uh, this is talent versus, Super talent and super talent uh, to carry the day. I'll tell you, there's two things. There's there's two danger signs, Larry, that I'm looking for. And then I I don't want to I don't want to to interrupt your role if you have more reasons why the Niners are going to win. But here's two signs. If you don't see either of these in the game, like I think Niners are on the right path. Anytime Brock's getting his balls batted down at the line of scrimmage, trouble. Okay, that is trouble. In any game where we have seen any of that, that has been a game where Brock has gotten into trouble. So early batted down balls at the line of scrimmage, avoid that, and miss tackles. If the 49ers aren't missing their tackles, they're not missing the opportunity to win this game. I really believe that more than anything else. And, and I think that Dre Greenlaw is going to be the aspirin that alleviates all these running game headaches uh, along with Eric Armstead. That's what I, I meant, Eric Armstead. Because him him being in the middle of this defensive line changes the DNA of the defensive line immensely. The other reason I love the Niners in this game is the Niners scored a touchdown on an NFL best 67.2% of their red zone drives. Scoring touchdowns in the red zone is the is a major key, I think, to beating this Green Bay team. Nobody's better at throwing touchdowns in the red zone this year than the San Francisco 49ers. So um that, that's 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 a major one for me right there. But ultimately the biggest one is the basics, which is the Niners are 10 and 1 when CMC goes for 75 yards on the ground. And when you really back away from all of it and take kind of the macro view of this game, 
it's it's Niners have the 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 second or the number three rush offense in football and a healthy rested Christian McCaffrey um, going up against the twenty eighth rated rush defense in the league, and I really think that Shanahan's genius, if there is any, is in his ability to get those second level defenders isolated in space against his weapons and Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell against CMC, who was a first team all pro that's a mismatch of the highest order. Well, and so and Kyle finds that's what Kyle exploits. That's and then Jones, who's a great running back is going against Warner and Greenlaw who each had 120 tackles or more this year. Uh, both of those guys, in my mind, are—I don't care what the vote said—they're both All-Pro caliber linebackers. So, I think if you say, "Give me, give me the main reason Niners win," second-level defenders. Green Bay's got Quay Walker, who's a D end, and Devondre Campbell, who's a statue, um, and the Niners have four or five guys who are rested, ready, and are at the top of their sport in uh, Warner and Greenlaw. And right. so I think the Niners, because of the, their duo, will shut down Jones. And I think the the Packers, because of their duo, will get worked by Debo and CMC, both as runners and as receivers. And I think that if you say, why do I feel confident the Niners will win? It's that right there. But, they've got, but, they've I res- got- but unlike a lot of you guys, I respect the hell out of Green Bay and their weapons. Because I know the talent. I watched all these guys in college. The Niners wanted all of these guys. The Niners wanted Kraft. The Niners wanted Musgrave. The Niners wanted Dobbs. The Niners wanted Jaden Reed. Gutekunst drafted all these guys. They're all legit, man. I mean, they are all legit. So do not think that these guys aren't legit. And don't be... uh, don't be surprised if Green Bay's offense has a lot of success in this game against the 49er defense. Um, but I think the Niners, if they don't turn it over, they'll be better. They'll win. But I, I don't think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be, you know, they may cover the nine on the back end, but I think it's a close game. I really do. I mean, what would make any game of chess unfair is if you were playing with two queens on your side of the board and I didn't even have a queen. And that's what the 49ers have in Warner and Greenlaw. They've got these two chess pieces that can move in any and all directions. And there's very much directional players for the Green Bay Packers. And to prove that, the Green Bay Packers are the second worst in the NFL when it comes to giving yards after first contact. And that is literally the neighborhood that Kyle Shanahan's offense lives in. This is the ultimate yards after contact football team and have been for years now. It's what Kyle prides himself on. All the downfield blocking that has benefited the 49ers all season long should really pay off in this game. Um, that's where I do think maybe it does get a little loose. Maybe the 49ers do make today's show sound a little, a, a, a little anxiety-ridden because we're we're worried about a green bay team that I, I do again i think you and i got this right i think we're right to worry about the green bay packers and anyone who's been watching them would agree um the same way that you know smart green bay packers fans are saying 
yeah, we absolutely could go and win this game. We're probably not, but it could happen. And that's just what this entire league is. You could get in trouble with one or two mistakes. What if I told you Kyle Shanahan didn't put Debo or Ayuk back on special teams and Ronnie Bell coughs one up? What if I told you that was a part of the game plan? Are you still sure that the 49ers were going to win this game? You know, I mean, I don't know. The one big or bad mistake is all it takes to lose a playoff game. That's all it takes. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a lot of people uh, are mad at me in the chat. That's fine. Let me just say this. I'm mad at you, Larry. Uh, the winner of this game. Unlike unsubscribe. The winner of this game <laughs> is going to win the Super Bowl. The winner of this game is going to win it all. That's how that's how strongly I feel about um, the talent on Green Bay and, and the Niners. I, uh, this, to me, is the Niners' toughest game. And if Green Bay wins this game, they'll beat Detroit. They'll beat the AFC team. These are the two best teams right now. You got a hot young um, Green Bay team that has flaws on defense, but they're playing well. Um, and they're really, really young, really, really talented. And the Niners are probably going to beat them. Um, and but but if they don't, watch this Green Bay team run the table. I I don't think I'm going to walk all the way out on that branch and hang out with you out there, Larry. I. Could That's it happen? Fine. Sure. That's fine. Could, sure. Absolutely. It could happen. How about how about this? Whatever team finds itself in the NFC title game absolutely has a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than the team that didn't make it there, right? So <laughs> yes, you, you've got that on your side. I don't know if I'm willing to give you a drop a guarantee the winner of this game is your Super Bowl champion. I, I got I, I I've got way too much healthy respect for either a red hot buffalo or just the Chiefs in any version of themselves. And here's my thinking on that. Buffalo is totally banged up. Buffalo is losing guys every single week. Kansas City cannot score. I mean, really can't score. Bad tackles, making all kinds of mistakes. Only one really good wide receiver. Um, and Houston is a really, really young team. So. Um, that's just how I feel. I, I I really feel like Green Bay is is coming and they're real. And I think this is going to be a battle royale. But I think the Niners will win, but I'm not cocky about it at all. And um, but I do believe the winner of this game will run the table. We'll see. Welcome to Wake Up, Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. Like, subscribe, notify, memberships available to you. Should you really want to support what we're doing over here, and we thank you very much. For those of you who do, Larry, have you heard about uh, the pot stirred by Mark Chamura on a uh, talk show uh, in, in Wisconsin where he basically said, hey, if you got to trade an early personal foul flag roughing to hit Purdy hard, you go ahead and you make that trade and you do it without worrying about those 15 yards if it's early in the game to set the tone. And I see all these fans just up in arms and, oh, my God, he's talking about injuring a player and all this stuff. What? If you think for a second that if no, – now, maybe Ronnie Lott's too smart to actually say that in an interview, but Ronnie Lott would a 1,000% tell you right now he would highly recommend – 
trading a 15-yard flag to maybe crack a rib on Jordan Love early in a game. If you think you can do it, you do it. This is war, okay? This is this this, this is as hard-hitting, nasty of a football game as you should be able to find on your TV all year long. This is where we are. It is the other quarterback must go down and must go down hard portion of the season. So this, all this hand-wringing, Mark, look, Mark Chamura might not be likable. He might have been caught in a hot tub with a 17-year-old girl all those years ago and how he is still, you know, bandied about as a guest on shows. I don't know. Mark Chamura survived that. <laughs> but um, you might not like the messenger, but if the message upsets you, you shouldn't even be watching football. You don't know what the hell's going on here. Of course, Mark Chamur is saying that. And of course, everyone in the 49ers locker room on defense is saying the exact same thing. If you got a shot on Jordan Love, take it. Just straight up. That's where we are. Totally disagree. I mean, don't say fans are pushing back. Everybody's pushing back. Richard Sherman. Here's what Richard Sherman said to that. This is disgusting and has no place anywhere in sports or sports commentary. There's never a scenario where this is okay for any person or team. So it's not just Niner fans who are pushing back on Chewy. Wait, wait, wait. It's, it's Richard Sherman. The captain of the Legion of Boom is saying, don't hit hard. Is that, is no, that what he's not saying? Me? Don't hit hard. That's not what this guy's saying. This guy's saying, this guy's saying play outside the rules. This guy's saying this guy's basically advocating it's okay to commit some kind of uh you know personal foul and 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 try to injure the other team's players um as a as a tactic. That's not that's not that's not Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott didn't do that. I mean, come on. I mean, we can't just because Ronnie Lott blew up Icky Woods in a game and he's a hard hitter doesn't mean that he would nobody First of all, advocating that publicly is just such a such a terrible look, and there's no there's no defending it. I mean, come on, we know I, everybody I, I, who watches I, I, football I, I, knows the game is honest. physical. No, it's I bullshit. Think it's, I think it's, it's honest. Bullshit. I think I think it's, there has been so much ridiculous. It's honestly bullshit, is what it is. This it's it's ridiculous, Damon. That's like saying, you know what, if um if you you know if you if you if you see him in under the under the you know under the the, the the you know on the ground you step on his hand and spike his hand i mean it's like what come on man you play the game within the rules that's the way it is playing and even if game, you think hold on even if you think that to state it is a totally different thing hold on playing the game within the rules is a great way to draw a roughing the passer penalty it happens all the time. It happens in places where right. all that is, it's, it's, is a, it's sports physical all enough. You don't is, need to advocate. All this. that is, is football. That's, you know, just hit hard is what I, that's, that's what I heard when I heard Mark Chamorro say that I didn't know. That's not what he, he said. Saying, dirty, he dirty, said. dirty play. He's saying hit hard, hit hard. And if you hit a guy so hard that you get a 15 yard penalty, that's doing business. That's doing business. I didn't hear him say, and then gouge his eyes out. And then after the play is over, suplex him, body slam him. I didn't hear that. Well, let's hear it then. Let's, let's hear it. Let's let, hear we'll it. let everybody hear it, and they can decide for themselves. Here's Chewy. 
but Gabe, I go back and it's little things like this. And the reason we won in 95 when no one gave us a chance in San Francisco is because we intimidated them. I mean, if you, and I always revert to Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons kicked the crap out of Brent Jones. And then it got contagious and then it carried over. That's why you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Well, we already thought uh, that, so go ahead. A 15-yard penalty, and I don't condone this, but I kind of do in the playoffs. <laughs> um, a 15-yard penalty for a late hit on Brock Purdy is not a bad thing as long as it's worth it. I'm just saying, this is the mindset you go into when it's battle. And it's kind of like the reverse of hockey. What don't they do in hockey in the playoffs, Joshy? Shave their beards. That and one other thing. They don't fight. They don't fight. They don't fight. Right? This is kind of like sometimes a 15-yard penalty is worth it early in the game if you knock the living crap out of the guy. And then he... Kind of like sticking your helmet in the ribs of Nick Bosa is like, ah, but that I'm works. hearing ghosts. But Gabe, all right. First of all, he's not even right about why they won in the '95 game. If you go back, if you remember that 1995 game, um, that was the game where the 49ers threw the ball in the flat on the first series to Adam Walker, Craig Newsom, the former ASU corner, came up. Big hit, uh, but he was a corner. It wasn't like he blew him up. He just popped the ball loose, jumped on it, and ran it in for a touchdown. And then why did the Niners lose that game? It wasn't because Wayne Simmons beat the crap out of Brent Jones and the 49ers were afraid of the Packers. The, the Niners lost that game because they were minus four in turnovers. That's why they lost that game. So, I mean, this guy's just this guy, first of all, this guy has no credibility at all. You already stated why. I don't want to even go go into that. You want to say that you, you know, play hard, play aggressive, be hard hitting. That's one thing. Advocating that you go outside the rules and take a personal foul penalty by trying to hurt the other team's quarterback and intimidate the other team's quarterback crosses a line. And I'm not drawing that line. I'll let Richard Sherman draw that line and others. Damon, you saw the reaction of his co-host. That that spoke volumes. His I mean, co-host, as he's saying it, goes, mm, I don't know, because it's wrong. Because he because he crossed the line and said something that was wrong. It was I, so I, tasteless I mean, that not, Niners I'm, didn't even touch it this week. I'm Nobody not, even I'm, everybody just ignored ignored it. I'm just not offended in any way, shape, or form. There's no difference in anything Mark Tamura said there in my ears than listening to an NBA player say, "Hey, man, if you're going to foul that guy, get your money's worth." If you're going to put a foul on that guy in the postseason, get your money's worth. Don't no no ticky tack. If you're going to foul, foul. Bill Lambeer shit. That's what I hear. I, I'm not that, offended but, at all. But Bill Lambeer all. shit, as you're saying, would get you now a uh, uh, flagrant two and an ejection. So right. what are we and really talking back, about? Back championships. See, that's I, I wouldn't want to win that way. I I want to win because my team's better within the rules, not because. Guess what? You know what happened when the play was over. And Jordan Love was under the under the pile. Nick Bosa spiked his hand, and he he had to come out of the game because he had a partially torn ligament in his wrist. And the Niners won because Sean Clifford came on, and he's a rookie, and he was terrible. And the Niners went to the you know went to the the championship game. Come on, come on. 
All right. Well, Come again, on. we I don't all know if this football's physical. It's not about being physical. Physical. Stay physical the then. Oh, he advocated was more than that. I don't begrudge the Eagles their spot in the Super Bowl last year because they hurt Brock Purdy. They did it within the rules. Yeah, they did it within I, the rules. I, what if Brock, hey, what if Brock Purdy? Wait a second. I don't you just brought it up. You just brought it up. What if Brock Purdy throws that ball and follows through? And five steps later, Hassan Reddick picks him up, body slams him into the turf, and he dislocates his shoulder. Do you feel the same way? Well, that's, no, that's, that's what he's advocating. I don't know. See, I don't hear that. I don't hear that. I he's, hear he's talking about a late hit. Hitting hard. Well, a, dude, talking a about a hit. late hit. Take a personal foul. He's saying he's saying a premeditated late hit on the opposing quarterback that you would trade to try to intimidate. That, I guess that's that's outside the rules I, of the play. I, I'm hearing something different then because I'm just hearing hit hard. Don't worry about like, okay, so you're sacking a quarterback. Don't really worry about like not landing on top of them. Just hit them. Hit them hard. Hit them hard. Win the game within the rules. Yesterday, Kyle Shanahan was asked why he doesn't do fake punts. And he's like, you know what? I just don't don't want to win that way. I don't want to win by trying to fool and trick my opponent. I want to win kind of more oh, legitimately. Bullshit. Come on. What are you kidding me? That's what he said. That's what he said. I That's how he feels. By fooling my opponent, then don't put anybody in motion ever, Kyle. That is no, he, he he looks at a fake punt as kind of a gimmicky trick one-time thing, a desperation type move. Now, you can argue with it or whatnot, but either way, what we're talking about is play play hard, play physical, play within the rules. That's all. I I don't want to. I want the Niners to beat Jordan Love, but I wouldn't sit there and be like, "Hey, Nick Bosa, hey Randy Gregory, how about this? When the guy releases the ball, shoot at his knees and and take him out." Uh, hit up, get your helmet on his, get your helmet on his kneecap. Wait a second, Larry. Put your helmet on his kneecap and, and, and dislocate his knee so that we get Sean Clifford because the chances of us winning this game against Clifford go way up. That's when you're advocating what he advocated, it's that's really what you're talking about. Come on, I heard intimidating. I heard intimidating. I didn't hear he said anyone trade a 15-yard personal foul late hit for the upside of intimidating Brock Purdy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's what he said. Let me ask you one question. We need to replay that. I don't want any hemming and hawing. Yes or no, Larry Kruger. Do you like the way Dre Greenlaw plays football? Absolutely, but he, where does he play outside the rules, dude? Greg Greenlaw is on the edge of the rule book at all times. He is literally, his entire career is happening on the razor's edge of, is this hit out of bounds or inbounds? Dre Greenlaw is Mr. I'm going to try to hit you as hard as humanly possible to where you think you might not want to do this again. And if you like the way Dre Greenlaw plays, I don't know why you could be desperately, horrifically offended by anything that was said on that radio show. Play hard. I didn't hear. Put your knee. Put put your helmet on a knee. Hyperextend someone's knee. That's you don't have to try to hurt someone in a football game to hurt someone. 
hitting once again. Hard once is, again, is we, we I, can debate it. I mean, I, I think, you I, and I can debate it, but you know, we neither of us have played it down in the NFL. Richard Sherman doesn't see it that way. He says this is disgusting and has no place anywhere in sports or sports commentary. There's never a scenario where this is okay for any person or team. Are you telling you want to get Richard Sherman on here and debate him? I would love to debate him. And I need to bring up some stats from Legion of Boom. And I'm just going to show him Cam Chancellor's hit on Vernon Davis over and over again. And, and ask, it was clean, like Damon. It? That was clean. What if, what if uh, Vernon Davis went out of bounds? There was not a penalty on Cam Chancellor. That was not a penalty. That hit in the modern NFL would be an arrest. Okay, they would arrest. It was a violent hit on a tight end, but it wasn't with. It was within the rules. If you what did if, that what now if in this league right now, he would be arrested. There's a difference. He's this guy's talking about. I mean, he just said it. He, we're talking about within the rules or not within the rules. He's advocating play not within the rules. Come on, man. I mean, look how many people in the chat. Look how many people in the chat are pushing back hard on you right now. Oh, I'm not even looking at chat. It's I know you're not. I don't care. Come I don't on, care. That's, that's a cheap hit. I mean, you. I don't. I want to win bad. You want to win bad. I don't want to win by cheating. This isn't cheating. It's football. It is cheating. Football it's, is hard. No, no. Come on. I mean, that's like saying that Bertuzzi. It's, hockey's hard, but Bertuzzi's thing was outside the lines. It was it was assault. He he drove a guy from behind into the ice, and it was even though it's a rough and tumble sport, uh, what Bertuzzi did crossed the line. You have to understand there's a line. Um, I mean, I know you do. You're just kind of playing tough guy on this, and I get it. But you know what? Sometimes you go too far. I guess and I, Bertuzzi I, I went too we, far. I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna go back to here and and just say that was not an okay hit by by Pertuzzi by Pertuzzi it was not the Greg Williams affect the head thing that didn't bother me either. Have you? I mean, do you understand the way that these guys talk when closer? The, the problem with that is that got out. <laughs> that's that's what happened. No, I understand. Believe me, I understand. The San Francisco. I, I, I used to work for a defensive line coach, and I've heard him talk about you know the way he wanted his guys to play. Right. And I get it. There's an edge, but it's a fine line, and you right. do not advocate crossing that line in a premeditated way in any kind of public discourse, and not expect people to push back on you because it's not. Come on, I mean, even if you think it, you don't say it. And this guy said it. And so absolutely, he's got to own it. And, and everybody belong, everybody who's pushing back on you and him and everybody, because he said it. It's like, it's like, you know, it's, it, it's all, it's already a violent game. It's already a violent game. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I'll say this. I was sickened by that hit that uh, Kirby Joseph had on, on Tyler Higby. I think that was sickening. I think that was, that was right on the knee. Right. You know, I mean, come on. Sickening. Um, now, it's a tough deal for defenders, right? Because you can't go here and you really can't go down there. So you got a strike zone. You got to hit in the strike zone. So it's never been harder to play defense in the NFL than it is right now. And I'll acknowledge that. And I love you, brother, but you're wrong on this one. Uh, Nicotina says, Damon, you're wrong on this one. That's OK. I mean, I, I understand. And that's fine. 
I'm not I've been wrong on anyone's here's the thing. You have no right we to all know how tough. We all know it's tough sport. I I I am not I I don't feel bad about a single thing that I've said. And I think that football is an absolute sport where knocking players out of games shouldn't offend anyone because this is what this sport is about. This is a full contact, nasty sport and it's the playoffs. And Larry, you can but it's, it's, it's run all you're the talking about guys' careers. You're talking about guys' careers and their bodies and it's a premeditated deal. Come on, man. It's Bush. Come on. It's, it's Bush. Come on. I mean, what happens if it actually happened? What happens if suddenly Rashawn Gary is a huge Chimura fan and says, you know what? Brock Purdy's thrown the ball, but I'm going to, I'm a, who was the guy who wasn't it Charles Martin who body slammed McMahon? Yes. I mean, what if, is, what if okay, all of a sudden Rashawn Gary like does that? To Brock Purdy, are, I'm not. I'm are not. You gonna be, are you going to come on here on 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 Monday and be like, "Hey, man"? Well, first of all, we're school. doing a, a Sunday morning wake up at 9 a.m., Larry. So don't think that everyone's. Gonna we're going to do it Monday too. But would you, when when everybody reconvenes on Monday and they're sitting there debating this thing, would you really be like, "Hey, man, Charles, man"? You know, I mean, uh, Rashawn Gary, it's a, it's a tough sport. Come on. No, there's, there's lines. I mean, it's a, there's a fine line. Come on, man. I mean, uh, I understand what you're saying. It's a rough sport and guys are going to hit the crap out of each other. And Greenlaw wants to absolutely detonate Aaron Jones. And, you know, it's a different thing to advocate ahead of time. Um, doing a premeditated personal foul to try to hurt the other team's key guy. I mean, come on. It's, it's your quarterback. It's your quarterback in a sport where your quarterback means everything. Um, could you? I mean, it's just, it just can't, it, it just crosses a line. That's all. It crosses a line. That's, I and that's why Sherman pushed back so hard. All right. Well, I wouldn't mind at all if Eric Armstead got a 15 yard penalty as Jordan Love was being knocked out of the game. The only thing that the 49ers need to do is reach the Super Bowl. And I don't care how many people are hurt or offended. On I want to do it the right way, man. I, here's the thing. I don't care. It's I not the hooker by crook I, kind I of a thing. I don't care how they do it. I guess that's the point I'm in. I don't care how the Niners get to the Super Bowl. Just I get do. there. Just I get do. there. I, 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 I do care. To me, how you compete defines who you are. And I understand what you're saying, but I just don't. I don't agree. I and and I think most people are with me on this one. Um, and you, even if you think theory. it, even care. if you think it, to say it is a totally different thing. He's basically said the quiet part out loud, and that's why there's pushback. And there should be pushback because here's the thing. If it happened in either direction, Nick Bosa, the, the, guy, the ball came out, the play is over, and Nick Bosa dives into the side of Jordan Love's knees. That's not good. I don't want that. Hey, man, there's a big I don't difference. want that. There's a big you difference. You want that, between... Damon? You want that? No, there's Come a on. big difference. Come between... on, seriously. There's a big difference between Playboy and Hustler, okay? There's a big difference between, <laughs> between something that is so overt, <laughs> that is so nasty, and this. Don't forget yeah. Gent or Jugs or something like that, right? Something I... like that. I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's, let's go from one controversial topic <laughs> to another. 
How about Amy Trask basically saying that there are seven good quarterbacks remaining and a lucky to be here guy named Brock Purdy. What do you think of that? I was I was thinking Amy's still doing some heavy lifting for Al from beyond the grave here. I don't wow. know. I, 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 I personally pushed back on her on that. Um, I injected myself into this situation, which I probably shouldn't have done. But I know Amy, and um, I've known her for years. And I think she has a book, maybe. Is that what maybe motivated this? Does she have a book that's out right now? I don't know. She went on uh, with um, a lady named Amy Schuster, I believe, or Susie Schuster. Um, Susie Schuster. And um, I think they have a, a podcast or something. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, this was another cross the line kind of a thing. I mean, this one's not as bad, of course, but um, this was wrong. Come on. This is come on. So. So now what Brock Purdy, who led the NFL in several categories uh, this year, is now not as good as Baker Mayfield, as Jared Goff. Um, Are you so you're I, I, I hear something playing, but I don't see him. Hold on a second. Somebody just almost yanked my cord here. Let me uh, let me just play this for you. I'm going to share the screen. Okay, here it is. Okay. Terrific. Okay, here we go. Four games this week. That means we have eight quarterbacks. Did that math all by myself. Good girl. Four games, eight quarterbacks, seven terrific quarterbacks, and Brock Purdy. Now, Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. Make no mistake about it. Everybody be calm, 49er fans. I'm not suggesting Brock's not a good quarterback. He is. I simply don't put him in the same category as the other quarterbacks. So I'll say it again. Eight quarterbacks, seven terrific quarterbacks and Brock Purdy. What don't you like about it? It's not that I don't like him. It's not that I dislike him. He does things very well. He is surrounded by a tremendous, tremendous supporting cast, both on offense and defense. He is a good quarterback. I don't put him in the category of the other seven. Of four games this week, that means we have eight quarterbacks. So, okay, so, she okay, so here's my here's my complaint with this. She backed it up with zero information, right? She, she, I mean, anybody she can have, have an opinion, but you have right. how you support your opinion is defining. It so sounds I, like it sounds like she read a, a a tweet that Nick Wright sent out that was very similar, and she saw Nick Wright get an awful lot of attention, and maybe she does want attention, so she went with that too. I don't know, but it's. Like there's there's no level of reasoning behind a reason when it comes to she's like, I like him, but I'm going to separate him so dramatically from these other seven guys that he doesn't even belong on the same list with them. So I pushed back and I said, I love Amy, but she's wrong. Purdy's processing, timing, toughness, accuracy and feel are all elite traits. And she's letting his draft position cloud her eval. Truth is that Amy is a talented football executive and isn't a trained personnel evaluator. They are distinctly different jobs and require completely different skill sets. She's just an observer, and she's entitled to her opinion, but she's not a trained personnel evaluator. Brock will prove her and others wrong. And then, you know, a couple guys pushed back on me and said, well, you know, she had a differing opinion than yours and mine, uh, but there's no need to discredit credit her credentials in evaluating football talent. And, you know, 
I replied to that guy. I said, I was just pointing out that she's not an evaluator by trade. It's a statement of fact. Take it any way you want. It's hardly a low blow. And then I said, hey, you know, a hospital administrator, uh, no matter how talented, shouldn't give opinions on the relative health of a patient. That's reserved for doctors. This is no different, in my opinion. And then back to his initial criticism, he's like, there's no reason to discredit her credentials in evaluating football talent. She has no credentials in evaluating football talent. She admitted it to me in another text where she said, hey, I've net, that's why I've never picked a player in my life, and I've never been involved in picking players in my she, life. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't she on uh, Team Jamincus when the Raiders drafted Jamarcus Russell? I mean, did she really think that Jamarcus was about to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time? Well, she's not. No, she she might have been in the organization, Damon, but she didn't make that. That's not on her. She's she, Amy replied to me after I said what I said. She said, thank you again to Scott, who supported her. She said, thank you very much. And Larry, you're right. I was not involved in selecting players via the draft trades free agency, which is why I'm giggling at all the suggestions that, quote, she, meaning me, drafted terrible players and hi to you as well. So I, I love Amy Trask, and she's a wonderful person, and she's a very talented executive, and I've known her for years and years and years. <clears throat> I had good friends who worked for the Raiders. I went over there and watched film with them many, many times, um, and, I've, and I've had many conversations with her, and she's one of my favorite radio guests. I guess, you know, here's the thing, Larry. It she's not a football evaluator. She's, a, she's like a capologist. It would be like, it would be like if Parag said you know what um you know i i don't think uh you know the, if parag had said the same thing i would say the same thing about parag now let me just say one other thing shame on all these people that have replied to her with all kinds of vitriol using terrible words that i would never use ever 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 let's dial it down people my god now she's wrong She's absolutely wrong. She she threw out an opinion that she knew was going to get a lot of attention. She got a lot of attention. She didn't back up or support her opinion with anything. Okay. And she deserves some pushback. But people dropping the C word need to check themselves. People that are just absolutely vulgar in their responses need to check themselves. Come on, people. Well, people are absolute huge assholes. And but I mean, they can that's do it just, anonymously. Larry, the, the that has to be pushed time. back on. That has to be stated because the level of in of non-decency. Come on, people. We can have a discussion and keep the dialogue on a on a somewhat uh professional level. It's just so heinous the things that I saw people say to her. Uh I, I just it's it sickens me. But All right. let's, All right. let's talk All about right. Brock Purdy for a second. Are you done? Are you done? Are you Purdy, no, I'm not done. Brock Purdy is the best statistical quarterback in the NFL this year. 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, a 113 quarterback rating. That ranks first. A 9.6 yards per attempt. That ranks first. The highest completion percentage in the entire league. 13.3 yards per completion. That ranks first. First, first. So well, look, the, the, the you point can't I've been sit making there and say he's better than that. Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff are better when the stats say otherwise, and then not 
follow it up with a why is Brock Purdy somehow in his own category? Is it because he's six one, or is it because NFL executive took him in the seventh round, or what is it that makes him the outlier? I need well, to know. If you're going to say something as spicy as you're saying, you better back it up with something because an argument that I think you and I have both been making is you take Brock Purdy's numbers, put them next to the name Aaron Rodgers, you have a unanimous MVP. But the name Brock Purdy is what people are pushing back on, not any of the data points or the stats for the success. And I think that the reason why people are offended that this is coming from Amy Trask is Amy Trask is not some hot take artist. No, she is actually someone whose football opinion we put some regard in and for her to just be so far drifting out of reasonable conversations to reach an unreasonable hot take. You know, well, why? And she says, well, I still like him. Well, but why would you still like him if you think that he doesn't even belong in the conversation with these seven other guys? Like, right. it doesn't, she didn't qualify it. She didn't make any sense at all. She didn't defend her position at all. And the fact that we like her in the first place is why I think people are like, well, what the, what's the deal, Amy? What's, what are you doing? Why are you so talking like this? But um, it doesn't have to be, we had to push back. But, I mean, people had to push back on that comment. I mean, come on. You know, you're entitled to your opinion, but we're entitled to ours. And if you don't support your opinion with anything, it kind of weakens your opinion. And all I was saying is, come on, man. I mean, you know, it's the same reason that um, I wouldn't, you know, Prague knows a ton, tons of football, but Prague's not a talent evaluator. He can't tell you which corner is better than another corner. It's a different skill set. So that's all. Well, again, uh, you know, I'm not a talent evaluator either, Larry. And right. you and I sit around and evaluate talent as, you know, all the time. I mean, you used to do it, but you don't do it now. You're, you know, you're someone who evaluates talent with a discerning eye, but you're not a talent evaluator, evaluator, evaluator either you're not working for an nfl team but there's a difference the difference is that i have been trained by other talented personnel evaluators and i have done it and i understand what goes into it and it's i'm not i'm not outside my purview she's a little bit outside of her purview on this it would be as if scott McLuhan started t uh, debating um her on the legalities of NFL happenings with a team. Now he's a great personnel evaluator, but Scott, come on, man. You don't know. You're not anybody's legal counsel. She's an attorney. She knows the rules. She knows the, the, the you know, the law. Um, and so just because you're a great talent evaluator doesn't mean that you could comment uh, with any intelligence about the legal precedents or the legal happenings of a football team. It's just different, right? I mean, it's right. just different. And here's the thing. And coming back to what you also said, never use the C word to a woman. I was talking about this with Ray okay. Ratto one time, Terrible. Larry. And Ray, Ray said it better than I've ever heard it said. He's like, you can only use the C word like they use it over in England where they only call another man the C word. They still don't use it for women over there. You know, it's only it's another man. Vulgar word. Yeah, it's it's look at it this way. Of all the words in the world, and I'm the least offended by words person you're ever going to meet in your life. Words right. do not offend me. 
I don't even like that one. I don't even say that. It's that that's a nasty word. So yeah, people, but look, the single biggest problem with the internet is you're allowed to post on it anonymously. To me, there should be zero anonymous posting on the internet. You should have to put your name on everything you say in public. That's That to me is the single biggest reason why discourse has collapsed in the United States. Because you can, through your shadow account, where you never identify yourself, scream the most horrific things in the world with no nothing coming back at you. And well, that's you can't, and I can't, but Bob, who lives in El Cerrito, can. That's also kind of a bogus thing. Think about that. Right. You, uh, Michael Irvin can't say anything. You can't say anything. I can't say anything. Because we but put our people names in the, behind it. People in their houses can say anything. Anything. Keyboard warriors, man. Keyboard and there's warriors. there's no recourse. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's uh I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, it's like, and I don't really know how I feel about that because I think there should be a platform for people to be able to speak any way they want, but that level of unfiltered and um, it's the, the lack of accountability is kind of, I don't know. It's, 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 it is what it is, I guess, as they say, but it's kind of unfortunate and it really, I don't know. In some ways it kind of, it kind of shows us what's out there um, in the discourse, but I don't know. It also it it puts people on totally different playing fields, and then people can come at you or me or anybody in the most vile way and say the worst things about our families, our children, our looks, our whatever. And if we shot back, it's like all of a sudden it'd be hell. It'd be hell to pay. But um, so it's a little think, bit of an unfair situation, but whatever. I mean, I it, think, is, uh, my, my, it is my greatest trait is that I just I couldn't give a fuck. I, I, I just I don't, I don't care. I don't I don't care what the oh, Damon, you're getting torn apart in the chat right now. Who could possibly give a fuck about that? Yeah, well, well I, I do care. Mean, I do I, care. I, what don't, people I, say. Don't, I don't. I don't. Uh, the, the comments of anonymous chatters mean nothing to me. I mean, nothing to me. That's no, like, but, but what you're really saying is that the people that are supporting your channel mean nothing to you. No, 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 the no. People no. that are supporting my channel mean something to me. No, no, but the, there's, there's that's who these that's who the people who are in here are. Right, but they, but if all they want to do is be mean and nasty, these are the same people that if they walked up to you in the bar, they'd say hi. I watch your channel all no, the I time, know. but it's easy to say it's easy to be tough. When you're behind, oh, I know. I mean, hey, somebody here says uh, nobody's ever said saying. anything bad to me into my face, like Damon, ever. Damon, you're not tough, bruh. I know you can't fight. Well, do you want to fight? Is that, is that is that is that what you're looking for? Is that what you were hoping at 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 nine thirty a.m. on a Friday morning we could engage in actual fisticuffs? Is that what you're looking for? I again, I whatever. I mean, and and Damon and I are friends. We go way way back. All these people like you know, you cooked him, he cooked you, and all that. We're just having a we're having a spirited debate. What we're also having is an open, honest dialogue. Everything that I'm I'm saying today, I believe. Everything Damon's saying today, he believes. And there we go. And I'm and we're glad that there's 800 people uh, hanging out watching us on a Friday morning at 9:30, uh, and it's probably more than are hanging out watching other people. So thank you, thank you for all for being here. 
What do you think of the 49ers and Packers? I mean, we get heated. Sometimes we'll get a little heated. We've gotten heated face to face, but we, you know, eventually we. Should we tell everyone about the time we fought? <laughs> you and I hit each other over the hair. We 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 had folding chairs. We went to a wrestling ring. We had I swept the leg. Partners. I swept the leg. <laughs> he was down. He was bleeding. And then I just said, you know what? I don't care. I want to go to the Super Bowl. And I stomped his throat. Uh, and I said, nice job, Chamura, you dirty <laughs> player. I said, get the hell out of my hot tub. <laughs> but bring her uh, back. What's her name? Yeah. Oh, boy. Don't, don't even. Uh, Larry, we have some uh, uh, Super Bowl-related news to share with you. We have yes. our entertainers. Uh, Andrea Day will be singing Lift Every Voice and Sing. Post Malone will be singing America the Beautiful. I really do not know why, because we don't need a second not-national anthem to be sung before the national anthem, but indeed, it's going to happen. Reba McIntyre is going to be singing the national anthem. And the only thing I can tell you about Reba is she's not going to try to get four out of four stars on star search. Take the under, uh, I believe her over under for anthem time is the lowest in documented history. I think I saw that from Darren Rovell. So Reba is going to come in and just trying to get it all done. What I don't understand is what do Reba McIntyre post Malone and Andrea day have anything to do with Las Vegas? I, <laughs> I know we're seriously. It, it feels uh, is, like is Wayne Newton still kicking. That's what I said. Where's Wayne Newton? Where's Wayne Newton? And I'll trade you right now. Post Malone singing America, the beautiful for Wayne Newton singing Donka Shane uh, before the game starts. I'll trade you that right now. And I'm what's, what's that other guy who's always in Vegas. Tom something. Tom, uh, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Tom Jones with a with a with a sock right in the front of his pants. Was Danny Gans. Is he still around? He was a magician, or was it? Was he like an impressionist or something? What about those oh, guys man. who used to take care of the tigers? Who got attacked by the tiger? Reed and Roy. I don't know. How about JT the Brick? I mean, I don't know. Who who else can we get? Who else is synonymous before with Vegas? The, before the anthem, we get a a, a call in Speed Brick segment. Gloria Stefan. Oh no! Uh, what's a what's the one? What's the lady who who signed a ridiculous deal to perform in Vegas? Celine for, Dion. Celine Dion. I don't Celine think she Dion. performs anymore, Larry. She had like some, she's got some like nerve damage or something. She can't sing or stand anymore. Like it's a sad, uh -oh. sad ending. We're, we're, when we're talking about Vegas people, a lot of these people are no longer with us. Tom Jones, RIP. He's no longer available? No longer. I wonder if he had a sock in the front of his pants in his casket. Is that the, is that the talk on Tom Jones? He was packing heat, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Rasputin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. I I yeah, I guess so. Re I was Rasputin packing the heat. I, I, uh, you know, I, I yeah, I think they Milton Burl. Oh, Uncle Milty? Could <laughs> only pull out enough to win. <laughs> oh, what has happened to this stream? Wake up, everyone. Wake up. The numbers are just plummeting. <laughs> oh man. Um where if you okay here's here's my vegas question for you okay you're going to vegas every hotel room on the strip is available what's your first round draft choice and what's the place that you would rather sleep in your car 
I'd rather sleep in my car than, I guess, check into Circus Circus. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Circus Circus. And I'm a Caesars guy. I've always been a Caesars guy. I love Caesars. I've stayed in other places. Um, there might even be other places that are officially cooler. But I'm just, I'm a Caesars guy. I know that I know my way around it. I'm I'm happy when I'm there. It's centrally located. Uh, I'm a Caesars guy. God, yeah, now that's old school. That's an old school spot. I mean, I think they built that in the 60s, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Um, it's been around a long time. I kind of I'll say this. I I've many times I've been, I've I've stayed a lot at the MGM, which is like a city unto itself. But um I think I, I kind of like uh Mandalay. And I know that's kind of old now. I know people would hey, what about the palms or what about the wind or you know. There's there's newer the spots. Very nice. The encore is very nice. The Bellagio is still very nice. Bellagio. Oh, Bellagio is almost like a museum, though. Aria, which is um, the the big complex there. That place is beautiful. It looks like billions of dollars come to life. Um, but yeah, I normally I, I normally go Caesars. I've never stayed in the Venetian, um, but I I usually I like walking through the Venetian. I like the little river walk there. Have you ever taken the have you ever been on the roller coaster on top of New York, New York? I've never been I've only been to New York, New York once. I've never some been on good the restaurants coaster. over there. Definitely some good restaurants over there. Um I saw, I saw Zumanity at New York, New York, which is basically Cirque du Soleil with boobies. Okay. That was good. That was good. Mandalay has is kind of you know it it's it's nice. I mean, it's unfortunate. I think that's where that might have been where that shooting was for that concert a couple of years ago. But uh, but it was it's I was I I, I like the vibe in the in the Mandalay. Um, but yeah, I, there's new ones. I haven't been to the Win. The Win is nice. The Win is nice. You've been there. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I've stayed. And Cosmo's also a great place to stay. Cosmo's really nice. I love the chandelier bar in there. It's like three stories. There's crystals all around you. It's really cool. Lots of great places to eat in the Cosmo as well. Um, but it, it, it's too, it's it's still, it'd be, it'd be overly arrogant to do the let's talk about Vegas. We're not there. You got to at least be no. in the NFC title game before we do the what might we be doing in Vegas together segment. Let me ask you this. How surprised are you that the Dallas Cowboys are saying, hey, McCarthy, come on back. I, I, it's a stunner to me. Larry, I'm not fire that guy unless you got a better replacement. To me, the better replacement, there are multiple better replacements, I believe, out there in Vrabel and Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. And the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are just rolling it back is pretty stunning to me. It really is Sirianni. I know you're not a fan of Sirianni. It looks like he might have survived his exit meeting in, in Philadelphia as well. Is Bill Belichick going to actually end up the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think so. I, I think he's, um, I think he, that he's the, the talk about him going to Atlanta is so, cause the guy who's got the biggest checkbook that's ready to cut it is the guy who threw ice and paid 300 grand. David Tepper, the, the Carolina Panthers uh, owner is the guy with the deep pockets. I think Belichick could be maybe angling for that, for, for Carolina, for the big check, the big check. Um, and I, I, I think that's the way you get pet Tepper to cut the big check to Belichick as you talk about going in the division to the Falcons. So that's what I think is going on there. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I'll, Jerry Jones is such an interesting guy in that 
he put together, you know, he, cha- he bought the Cowboys. He chased out Tech Schramm. He chased out Tom Landry. He kicked those guys to the curb and said, Jimmy Johnson's coming in here. We're running the show. They He gets it right, right out of the chute. They make the Herschel Walker trade. They have this incredible run. They they when they won the title in '93, they were the best team in the NFL. They had won back to back, and they were the youngest team in the NFL. Then the cap comes. They never adapted. He gets drunk in a bar, insults Jimmy, and chases chases him out. If Jerry Jones in, at those NFL meetings had just passed out in his room, and let's say he got trapped in there for like ten years. He would have come out of that room with like seven rings and he would have been like the greatest owner in the history of the NFL. Instead, he chases off Jimmy, decides he wants to do it himself, talks all big, like 500 coaches could win with this talent, hires Barry Switzer. Amazingly, Jimmy was so good at stocking that roster that Switzer won one. So in, in, in a way, Jerry was proven right. But that mistake, I mean, he basically would rather be in charge than win. And that is always, a, you know, when you'd rather play with your toy than, you know, use that toy to win, you know, it's it's sad. I mean, in a lot of ways, he's great for the NFL. He's brought huge revenue streams to the NFL, and he thinks big, and he's done some incredible things on the business side, NFL-wise. He's been one of the most valuable owners to the growth of the overall revenue pie. But my God, it's like he keeps getting involved him. He wants to be a de facto GM. And because he wants this and he won't re you know, he won't relinquish control. I mean, Eddie D was, was way smarter. He badly wanted to win, but he didn't want to draft every safety. You know, they say a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. That's what Jerry and his sons have. They have a little bit of knowledge, and because of it, they're dangerous. And they're never going to win. The buck has to stop with the head coach. It was why the Raiders didn't win in Al Davis's, you know, final, you know, years, because the buck never stopped with the head coach. Al was the star of the show. The owner cannot be the star of the show the, the head coach has to be the central figure in football. And if, if, if the guys feel like they can go around you to the owner, you're done. And ego, that's, look, that's ego, where they're at. Ego gets in the way of success as much as failure, right? I mean, e- ego takes apart good teams as much as age, as much as free agency, as much as greed. It happens all the time. And Jerry Jones's ego has been one of the greatest things to ever happen to the Dallas Cowboys. And it's also the reason why they continue to not win anything at the end of every football season. It's Jerry just, he's a great businessman. One of the greatest footballs ever known as someone who owns one specific team. And then what do you do with that one team besides its profitability and its monolithic you know, it's the number one team in, in the world. The Dallas Cowboys are worth more than any other franchise, I believe, any sport in the world. Maybe there's one or two soccer teams somewhere that's worth more than the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, but, you know, FC Barcelona or something. I don't know. But the Dallas Cowboys are the X marks the spot of sports profitability. 
And because they're that, without the championships, it just, I believe it's helped break the the football business model a little bit. I don't know. I it's Jerry's been really good for football and really bad for football all at the same time. And but for Jerry Jones, the Raiders are are what in in Los Angeles, right? I mean, he's the one who basically X them out of going to LA and said, Yeah, you know what, Stan Kroenke, why don't you give uh Spanos a call and see if you can't get the Chargers to be your tenant instead of the Raiders, because the Raiders would sort of overshadow you and will leave Mark Davis to figure it all out on his own and give Mark, I guess, credit. He he did do that. And that brings us to where I think we kind of just to go back to Vegas for a little bit, Larry. Do you realize that the 49ers do go to and actually win the Super Bowl? It's got a heart. It's, it, it's going to hurt Mark Davis, right? The team that he finally gets away from, now he's got a stadium all to himself, all to his own in the fertile sports pasture that is Las Vegas now. And even though he will never have home field advantage again, boy, the Niners sure did when they came in here and the biggest win in the history of Allegiant Stadium would belong to the Niners. Could you imagine that? Can you imagine if you're Greg Papa? You're calling that game. You're sitting 50 yards away, maybe from, from, from Mark Davis, the guy who fired you. And you are calling a Niners Super Bowl. What if what if it's Niners, Niners beating Stadium? Greg's boyhood team, the Bills? Because B- Greg's a Western New York guy. He right. grew up with the Bills. What if it's Niners over Bills in Vegas? I mean, Greg may may uh you know his head may explode. That would yeah, be, no, I mean, I mean, Mark Davis, you know, Mark Davis, um, you know, lucky gene pool, you know, and then he, he, you know, the, the the Raiders have been run horribly, but there's so much money in the NFL that he found a way to skate to Vegas and, um, and yeah, and get that stadium built. And now he's, he can have more PF Changs than he ever, ever dreamt. Um, <laughs> But you know, they're, they're, that's going to be interesting too, because you know what a mess their situation is, huh? Because Max Crosby is their best defensive player. He says he wants to be traded if they don't go to with Antonio Pierce. And I don't think they, they can't get Harbaugh because Harbaugh is too smart to go there. Um, so I don't think Antonio Pierce is a bad hire. I mean, if the locker room is a hundred percent behind him. And you look, there's, I think what I would do is hire Belichick and make Antonio Pierce, the defensive coordinator and let him look because Antonio Pierce doesn't have a lot of experience. So, I mean, go, go with Belichick, give him the fat check to go to Vegas and um, make him Antonio Pierce, the, the assistant head coach in charge of defense and, you know, let Belichick, um, you know, coach him up on, on, you know, everything and All three years say, from now I, let Antonio Pierce take over for him once you've once you've righted the ship. I mean the Raiders need some discipline. They need some focus. They need they and he loved the idea of what New England had, right? Um except he took the wrong guy. Cesario was the guy you wanted, but he went to the Texans and now he's sitting pretty. And they, instead they went with Ziegler and McDaniels and then had to fire them both. So why not Belichick? 
Uh, yeah, I, I would go and hire Bill Belichick if I were looking for a head coach and the best coach in NFL history is looking for a job. That's That would lead me to that. I'll say this. The Raiders are a lot better at promoting interim head coaches than they are at hiring head coaches. So maybe you lean into that lesson and you just say, hey, this team played better for Pierce down the the, the stretch. He's younger. I can grow with him. It would be it, it 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 wouldn't be unpopular. By the way, here's the dirty little secret. You know who doesn't care about the Raiders at all? The people in Las Vegas. They don't care. They don't care that the Raiders are good or bad. It's just the all the Raiders are are a vehicle to bring other NFL action into town. So it's not like he's got this rapid ramp rampant fan base demanding one thing or the other in his own hometown. Make your team happy. See if a, a happy Raiders team doesn't make you a little bit better if you can't go out and hire a big gun like Belichick. I mean, to me, Mike Vrabel is a guy that I would consider. I think Vrabel yeah. pretty damn good. But, you know. I think I, they're going to, yeah. I mean, <sighs> we'd be stunned if the Raiders did anything other than screw it up because it's kind of who they are. Yeah. They just need, they need a lot. I mean, they, you know, it's and they need some continuity there. And I think you're totally right about, there's not a rabid fan base of Raider fans there. It's there's a whole town of of transit, you know, transplants. They're L.A. transplants. They're Bay Area transplants. We all know somebody in our life that moved from here to Vegas. Um, and it's like a it's a place that you go if you can't afford the Bay Area. It's a place that you go if if, uh, you know, you, you want to buy a house and some land and you're in, in uh, Los Angeles and you can't afford a house or land, you know? So it's, there's a lot of people that aren't from there and you're right. It, it's not, it's just a conduit to the rest of the NFL. Um, it's actually been a great thing, I think for the NFL though, because you know, it's, it's a, it's a place now where it's like a destination vacation destination throughout. It's been great for Vegas. I guarantee you because they're playing the Packers on Sunday. The Packer fans all come from Wisconsin. They're playing the chiefs on, on, you know, November 1st, all these people book their trip to Vegas. Um, so they can do, you know, kill two birds with one stone. I'll go gamble. I'll take in uh, some shows. I'll stay on the strip. I'll watch my chiefs. I'll get out of town, you know? So it's a great, idea it's like you know it's kind of like um it's like disney world in orlando it's like you know i'm sure that's been really good for orlando and i'm sure the nfl has been really good for for vegas but doesn't mean that the there are a lot of raider fans there but we'll see if they're there for 20 years there will be you know there'll be some roots there there'll be kids that grew up as you know the raiders or big raiders fans and a's fans um, well, they'll have the Raiders, the A's and the Golden Knights uh, within what, for whatever year the Ra the A's are going there. I mean, we'll see if the A's actually get there. I mean, there's more talk about them playing in Sacramento than there is in Las Vegas at this particular time. So uh, that's another show. That's a that's a that's not a, a wake up show. That's a good night. Go to sleep show. We'll we'll get to that a little bit later on. Larry, let's wrap up today's show with this? this. Oh, OK. Did Sports Illustrated die today? Well, I mean. Was I mean, it's illustrated alive today. I, I don't know. I, I, I just says RIP Sports Illustrated from Clarsard. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. By the way, what a sad, sad thing that the the Golden State Warriors are going through right now, Larry. With the death of their coach, yeah. 
I mean, that's it. Look, as soon as we heard, as soon as we heard that that game in Utah got postponed, I did think the worst. I thought, oh, oh, maybe, maybe they're just trying to contact his family overseas to get them the bad news before it goes public. And then sure enough, the next day we found out, you know, he was he was gone. And it's just that's rough. And I've talked to a, a couple people who said that it was it's about as dramatic a scene and it's like there is a level this isn't one of those like they took him away in an ambulance and that was scary no this is one of those they're performing like cpr they got the paddles out right there in the in the restaurant level of traumatic and scary very 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 sad very very sad yeah very it is very sad and it's and i'll say this way to go nba for recognizing that these teams are families that you know we're talking about small groups of people right i mean you know when the warriors travel there's you know, there's, I know that people joke about how many assistant coaches there are, but I mean, we're talking about a traveling group of less than like 30 people probably. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, so to ask them to play a game with the, you know, that was probably in poor taste and they just didn't. So, um, I, I like the fact that the NBA pivoted in there and made, did the right thing. Very sad to a very relatively young man. And I'm sure it was very traumatic for those who witnessed it as well. And our thoughts and prayers go out to, to his family. Um, he was 46 years old. I mean, that's just, that's just far, far too young to depart the planet and, uh, a tragedy, a real tragedy. And a guy who touched a lot of different people, the head coach of the bulls was a real close friend of his. I saw, um, you know, him kind of in tears in the bulls locker room after the Raptors game last night. Um, you know, the Lakers honored him. Several teams around the league have honored him with some pregame tributes. Uh, just, you know, it's very sad. I mean, it just kind of makes you say, um, be a little reflective and say, you know, whatever, whoever you love in this world, uh, tell them that you love them. You know, whoever you, you know, whoever, if there's something that you want to do in this lifetime, man, go do it. Right. If there's something you want to pursue in this lifetime, go do it. Dusty Baker one time said it one time, and I always felt like Dusty was one of the real soulful people. Had a, back, by the way, he's he's got a position with the giant. Back. But I can remember one time Dusty, I forget who had passed. We were all in, in his office, and this is in the 90s, and he's kind of looked around the room, and he's like, gentlemen, tomorrow is promised to no one. And um, that, I mean, that, that line really st- st- uh, hit me hard, and and stuck with me for years and years and years. And uh, truer words have never been spoken. You know, tomorrow, great, tomorrow's promise to no one. So live today to the fullest. My great grandmother, God bless her, Larry. She lived on her own until she was 101 years old. The only time where she was ever like in an old person's home was in the last week of her life. So she was an independent, feisty woman right through 101. And when you live to 101, you should have a couple of black dresses in your closet because when you live to 101, you've buried them all. You know what I mean? You you basically bury everyone you've ever known in your life that was certainly older than you if you live to 101. You bury them all. We used to joke around. Grandma Kaju's buried more people than Rose Kennedy. You know, I mean, she, she has been to a million funerals and her her... She would say it at every single funeral. She'd say, remember this, life is for the living. And that always stuck with me as a very profound thing to say in the face of all that death. Mourn the passing, but remember, life is for the living. 
And another thing that I've always liked is, yeah, if, if you got a, a something that you want to pursue, if you have a dream, if you have a habit, if you have uh, something that you want to try or taste or a place to go, do it. Do it. This is not a dress rehearsal. This life is not a dress rehearsal. This is the only one you get. So live it and enjoy it. And yes, certainly hand the flowers to people while you can. And if you got, you know, animosity in your own family, make the phone call to get past that. It's worth getting past that because you never know when the lights could possibly go out on anybody. And yeah. it's a very, very sad thing. And, and no you know, when, you're, when you're in the middle of a season of sports that aren't going right, something like this happens and it just brings you back to what really, really matters. And to bring it back to sports, Larry, maybe, maybe one, you know, maybe this will be a, a rallying point for, for the Warriors. Maybe this will change the direction of their season in some way. They have a, a nine day layoff in between games. They're not playing it until Wednesday next week. Um, it means they will not have played since they played the Grizzlies on Martin Luther King day, which is like twice the layoff you get in. It's gotta be the longest any team has been laid up since the pandemic. I mean, nine days off in the middle of a season is more than an all-star break. So let's see how the Warriors use their time, but they got a lot of personal healing to go through. And it's just, it's sad. It really is. By the way, they're, they're cooked. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, um, right. no, it's, the, it, the Warriors it, are done and I, they're, they're done. I mean, it, they, they, there's no there's no trade out there for them. There's no uh there's no there's nothing that's gonna, you know, it's not like they well, we just need to try harder. No, you're you know, you got your team got old, you you know, your owner got nostalgic. Um, he decided he wanted to go to the finish line uh with with these old players, and now he's just got an old team and they there's no, you know, you look around the league, everybody's younger, more talented, deeper better getting better you've got you know all these guys who are kind of bitter now and they're made all this money and they're entitled and they're just you know i you can't tell me this i'm this guy and i'm that guy and draymond's talking big and all these guys are done you know it's like they're so i mean the pascal siakam trade people oh well now that who cares i mean even if they got pascal siakam it's it's i mean it was bob myers was right to get out kerr will get out shortly um, but they, they need, if they were smart, they would take clay CP three Draymond Wiggins and trade them all in individual deals for two and three players and see if they can put together kind of a new deeper core of younger players who are ascending and, and, and try to try to do it that route. Do not go to the, if they go to the finish line with Clay and Draymond and Wiggins and all these, it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be an, yeah. a total disaster. They need to, Dunleavy's got to pivot. And you might be able to find, Lakers may give you Rui Hachimura and Jackson, hey, Jackson, whatever. And they may get a few players from the Lakers for Draymond and they may be able to find a team that's willing to give you. Um, some good players for expiring contracts like, like Paul's and um, and and Clay Thompson's. You maybe you find somebody that thinks they can get more out of Wiggins, but they need like four deals 
that bring in a bunch of new faces and then keep Pajemski, keep Kuminga, keep Trace Jackson Davis, obviously keep Steph, and then just see what you can get for those other guys and have a totally different cast the rest of the year. And maybe, maybe you, you can, you know, maybe somehow, some way you can trade your way to the next thing, but trying to like just, you know, hunker down with these guys when you've offered Clay $50 million over two years and he's not worth it, and yet he feels insulted by it, it's over. Right yeah. there, yeah. It's, it's over. It's over, Look, and, and it's and sad, but it's it, it happens. It's just the way life is. To me, just the biggest offensive athlete in the Bay Area right now is Andrew Wiggins. I mean, this guy uh, is in coach. the prime of his career. He should be grabbing leadership reins and showing everyone that he really was you know, the number one overall pick in the draft in his year. And let me show you why. And this is who I am now. And Steph is my running mate more than I'm his running mate. And Wiggins is just so soft in the middle. It's just, it's awful. I see him going to Dallas, maybe for Tim Hardaway, Seth Curry, and um, Omax Prosper, something like that. I could see that. There's a lot of talk that Dallas wants him. And that deal works on the trade machine. So I don't know. I that that's what I think's coming. I if if you said what's going to happen to Wiggins, I think he's in Dallas in the next ten days for uh, Hardaway. I'll Curry's drive to the airport. And I will get him to SFO. Larry, uh, Washington Post, Sports Illustrated lays off most of its staff, threatening iconic brands' future. Written by Ben Strauss, he says much of the staff of Sports Illustrated and possibly all remaining writers and editors received layoff notices Friday which essentially could spell the end of a publication that for decades was the gold standard of sports journalism. The union of the staff tweeted Friday that would continue to fight for the publication of the magazine, but that its future is now in the hands of magazine owner Authentic Brands Group. Nearly 70 years of publishing for Sports Illustrated. The entire staff notified today that they were being eliminated. Very dramatic day. It also shows kind of where we're at. Nobody really buys magazines anymore. Magazines and newspapers have died. And, and radio is following and yeah. linear television isn't. The only thing propping linear television up is the NFL. If football didn't exist, there would be no linear television anymore. Um, it's yeah. uh, we, we are. Media has been hit dramatically. Um, Tell me and, about it. <laughs> and. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And, um, you know, everything's gone to, you know, the star of everybody's, you know, uh, show of media these days is, is this phone, you know, and everything, your lights on, you're, you're going to, you're going to blow through your battery with your light on there. Larry. I know, I know it's because it's dark in my studio here and I had to, I need some extra light for my, for my notes. Uh, but no, I, I, it's, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to be over here. Uh, because this this at least is a uh, growing deal. You know, YouTube television is growing. YouTube overall is growing. Um, our channels are growing. Um, we're doing really, really well over here. Somebody came up to me the other day and said, man, for a while I was hoping that you'd come back to radio, and now I see you're doing so well on YouTube you're not coming back to radio. And I'm like, well, not if I can avoid it. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I kind of like, I kind of like the YouTube space. Um, and I think it's, you know, the way we, you can connect with people, um, the way you can control the message, 
the way you can go direct to the athletes and bring the fans face to face with Eric Armstead. Uh, you're not doing that on, on radio or even local television. And so it's just kind of a, it's an evolving world, you know, it's like, well, uh, it really is. There's, there's a liberating element to being on YouTube and being your own brand and not having allegiance to any team as a flagship partner or anything like that. And as you look at the world, Larry is it's being consolidated in every direction. There's now talk that the NFL might be an investing partner in ESPN, the NFL basically buying ESPN. And at that point, ESPN is going to become Korean state television. I mean, the NFL will allow some investigative journalism on it, but it will eventually reach the, well, we don't want that to come into focus. So we're going to squash that story with a, you know, with a broadcasting partner that we own and operate now. Like that's going to happen. That's going to happen. So um, independent coverage, I think, is going to mean more going forward than ever before. And more people are going to gravitate towards it because, they're going to understand that the only thing they get from, you know, these partner networks are the house organ. And not everyone just wants to listen to the house organ music. And that's going to make guys like you and I more valuable than we were even in the radio space. And even though, you know, this past fiscal year, I will have made less money in broadcasting than in decades. I can't remember having more fun. Like, I'm having a great time over here. It's an awful lot of fun, and there is something to be said for pride and ownership. And, and you know, when I see a, a video do well, I take more pride in that than I ever did any ratings data point that was ever shared with me in a radio meeting, you know? Because I know that all those data points were sort of an approximation of what you hope was happening, where everything on YouTube is a direct count of, one person was listening, two people were listening, this many, like, you know exactly who they are, where they are, what their demographics are, everything. And it's, it's fascinating. This has been a great journey to be on and it's an awful lot of fun. There is, there's no doubt about it. Larry, let's one, one of the, uh, the funniest things I thought I was watching the Jung Hu Lee presser. Yeah, I'm that guy. Um, and one of the writers says, jung Hu, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you really enjoy when you're not playing baseball? What do you do? You know, let's peel the onion on jung Hu Lee. And I loved it because he said he sits there and has to go through his interpreter. And then he's basically comes back. He's like, I watch YouTube and I sit at home and I eat good food cooked by my mother. And I was just like, you know, there you go. That's that's where we're at in this world. It's like there's a lot of people who are who are watching YouTube and Jung Hu's out there. So Jung Hu, good to see you. Thank you. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, and I'm sure there are people in the room who are sitting there who are working for the whatever paper or whatever, you know, going. Ah, I can't believe this. He likes, you know, he's into YouTube. You know, it's like. Uh, but what, what can you say? That's, that's what it's about. That's where people are at. So, um, you know, it's just, it's the future. So it's just, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of adapt to it for sure. Uh, should we get to our starred chats? What do you got? What have we got? Okay. we got 15 starred chats here. Um, okay. We'll start at the top of the list. David E. Hi guys. I'd like your evaluation of Randy Gregory. I'm especially interested since Cleveland Farrell is not playing this week. Thank you. Um, Randy Gregory's got an important role to play. 
You know, I mean, there's just no doubt about it. That guy yeah. has had games where he has impacted the game. He's also had didn't see much of Randy Gregory in those games. I, I, you know, two sacks out of Randy in the postseason, he will have paid for himself. You know, he's an interesting player. He, he's I, I've done some interviews with him. Go check him out on YouTube. Um, great guy, great guy. And uh, all this talk, like he was, you know, all this talk, he's going to ruin the locker room culture. It's like, what? This guy is a terrific guy. Um, I mean, what was his, you know, tr worst thing that the guy ever did? Smoke a little grass, maybe? I mean, come on. Um, I mean, the guy is 6'5", 235. He's got 34-inch arms, 10-inch hands. He runs about 4'5". Um, he's, he was a three, four outside backer at Nebraska. He's got great length. He's tough as hell plays with a great motor. We, and he's got me. long arms really? throw that out there. We doesn't offend me at all. So Randy, we're good. Exactly. He can bat down passes. He's stronger than you think at the point of attack. Um, I like him. He's really helped. He's, he's, you know, he's got, he's an explosive player. He's got really, really fast hands, great bend. Great hips. This guy converts speed to power as good as anybody. He was raw coming out of, out of Nebraska, but he's got physical tools through the roof. Now that was what he was when he came into the league. Now he's a veteran. Now he, he you know, a guy's tough as hell. He plays super hard and he's going to give you, you know, 20 to 25 killer snaps. Well, and look, do you like guys in a walk here? Do you yeah. like guys who are playing for the next contract? Randy Gregory, you can make an awful lot of money in the next three games if you have three good games in a row, if the Niners are lucky enough to play the next three games. And Chase Young, oh, Chase Young, the amount of money that's on the table for you with a good playoff run is absurd. So he should be extra motivated to uh, make sure the other quarterback goes down hard. They're two vitally important guys for Saturday night, by the way. Vitally important. Uh, because without Clee Farrell, they're going to have to play a few more snaps, and I think they're both up to it. Um, yeah, huge, huge factors. Uh, Richard Hutchinson has become a YouTube member over here. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate you. Aaron L. says, only team in the way of the Niners is the Niners. That's interesting. It's a way to look uh, at it. I mean, look. One it, way of looking at it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and the thing is, you're really not that wrong. You're, you're not. I mean, they... They have a job to do, and if they do it in a way that I believe they can do it, they're going to the Super Bowl. They better damn well be in the Super Bowl. That's the mandate. Take Go care of the football. Take care of the football, and I think they're the best team. Jordan Matthews, in years of watching the NFL, a story like Brock's would usually be celebrated, yet the media gives him no respect. Never seen anything like this. No, I know. It's, it is really weird. It's like one of these things where if he climbs to the top of this mountain, there's literally going to be a Disney special. I mean, Disney is going to be like, oh, we love this story. The guy went from Mr. Irrelevant to Super Bowl winner. Um, it's an amazing story, but I don't know why. I'm not sure exactly why it doesn't fit people's narrative or it doesn't it doesn't resonate. Um, I just think there's an awful lot of people that don't like being wrong. And maybe there's he kind of shows that there's a lot of people wrong. And then you look at him and you say, well, he didn't look good against the Ravens. And you're okay. Okay. All right. But, you know, listen to, listening to him this week, talk about it. He really thinks that that game helped him grow. Um, so we'll find out. 
We're going to find out. And he even said it. We're going to find out Saturday. Uh, Mesru01 has become a YouTube member. Thank you, Mesru. Thank you for coming over. Daryl Granville in the house. Love the show, guys. You keep it real. Salute. Thank you. Awaka Waka. I like the avatar. I'm big Fozzie Bear guy. <laughs> Fozzie Bear. Muppets. That was a great show. Sunday nights back in the day. Brian, if you don't take a team in the playoffs seriously, you don't know ball. Hey, I think that's true. Look, the, the, the league is brutal in terms of delivering results that you don't expect all year long. And look at, yeah, in the playoffs, it counts twice as much. So, yeah, every, <laughs> how about this? You cannot make the argument that anyone who's still playing isn't good. You don't get here without being good. There's no luck in the divisional round. You you earn your way here. And, and Shanahan said it this week. We can sit here and talk about this and that and this and that. It's how do we play for three and a half hours Saturday night? And as the old coach used to say, Larry, it's the way you play the day you play. They <laughs> you say, coach, you're right. Moon man, bunch of emojis. Can you decipher the emojis? I feel like I'm, it's like a lucky logger cap right here. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know here. What, uh, a goat, maybe? Is that a goat? Is that a dog? Is that a... Versus Green Bay, played awful dirty D, looking bad coverage. Moon Man. Moon Man, thank you very much. Let's go with English, less hieroglyphics next time, and we'll be, under, we'll, we'll be able to under... Remember, both Larry and I are, you know, early 50s, late 40s. We pretend to be cool. We're not actually cool. <laughs> Uh, e Norman Cox Debo having a massive game this Saturday. Is that a real name? And if it's not, why didn't you go with enormous? <laughs> e Norman, E, e Norman underscore Cox. Norman Cox. Right. There you go. His buddy is IP freely. All I can tell you is that if Debo does have a massive game Saturday night, the Niners are in the NFC title game. I think Debo is going to have a massive game because Debo is like, in some ways, he's like their their most prime time prime time player. He was huge in Philly. I expect Debo to go off. Brady Hill says a late hit is a cheap shot. You dip. This is when the uh, audience was yelling at me for saying I'm not offended by what Mark Chamura is saying, and I don't. I've heard anybody called a dip in a while. <laughs> dip? I've taken a dip, but I I don't know if anybody's you dip. Hey, thing do you I remember? Missed. Do you remember that candy? It was called Fun Dip. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was basically I, uh, like a, it was like a straw, and that you would like lick, and then you'd put it in like a powdered thing, and the, oh, it's just, it was like a diabetes in a bag. It's what I miss. So dip when I when when I say dip, I mean like Skull Copenhagen, right. and I haven't had one since El Stroco Loco, and I miss that the most. I really do. I I loved dipping, but I don't anymore. I, I never dipped until I got to the Canadian League, and then I started dipping Copenhagen, and I, I stayed dipping for about 10 years. And then finally, I read this article, and, and I, I got a couple buddies who are like, who are dippers, and they have a hard, they're having a hard time quitting, and it's a terrible thing. It's awful. It's hard. It's hard to, it's really is hard to quit. Uh, they put glass, there's actually shards of glass in dip yeah. that, that cut your lip. So that the tobacco gets in there, it's really bad. Anyway, but I did read an article, and this helped me quit for anybody who dips and is trying to quit. And if you dip and you aren't trying to quit, eventually you will. 
You don't want to be Tony Gwynn, get oral cancer and have them take your face apart and stuff. It's terrible. Um, but that 90% of the addiction of nicotine, the effects of it are 90% of, of, of the effects of nicotine are gone within 48 hours. If you can make it two days, two days without smoking or dipping, you're 90% of the way to quitting. Two days. Think about it. Well, good luck, everybody. Good Again, luck. Uh, you know, do it. Do what you got to do. But uh, I, I, I had a buddy of mine who used to say things like, you know, dude, I can I can prove cocaine isn't addictive. I've known people who've done it for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and now nobody's doing Copenhagen anymore. I'll, I'll go up to some guys in the locker room. I'll be like, you know, that some guys have a big dip going. I'll be like, what are you what are you chewing, man? They'd be like, oh, man, a little grizzly. Grizzly is now right. The, it's that's the uh, the the. The non-alcoholic dip, right? The not the the to, the tobacco-free dip substitute. Oh, is that it? No, I think Grizzly's real real tobacco. I think you're thinking of uh, those little pouches you're talking about that the uh, bandits bandits like a bandit type thing. The bandit was definitely real dip. Yeah, but no, but Grizzly's think, real Grizzly dip is. I don't. I don't know. I think Grizzly is real dip. Right, keep going through the uh, through the chats, Larry. I, mean, I was talking to Greenlaw the other day, and I said, "Man, what are you dipping?" He's like, "I just got a little Grizzly." Um, I asked uh, Kinlaw. And I was doing an interview with him one day. He had a big big dip going. I said, "What are you dipping these days?" And he's like, "I don't know. I just bummed one from George." You know, it's like Grizzly is smokeless tobacco. It yeah. says, says "No, no, okay." So yeah, no, it's, it's real. It's real. It's real. Yeah, yeah, but there be there are things, and I forget what they're called, but there there is like kind of like, I'll tell you one way, one thing to help me quit. By the way, another one, get get some uh, like so, some uh, low sodium sunflower seeds, and just pack them in there, and it gives yeah. you a lot of that same sensation. I, I missed the sensation of the the of the mm, of the fat lip. I yeah. I did miss that, but I'll tell you the thing that helped me dip was uh, twenty one day hospital stay and nearly dying of a stroke. That'll that'll make you find dip Jesus really quickly. It's a little, it's a little costly these days. It is. Andy, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Andy 707. What are you sipping on Damon? Oh, well we have a little, uh, filtered soul. I love, uh, Phil's coffee. I get two, I get, I get two pounds of filtered soul delivered every month straight to the door. And that is my coffee of choice. Look at that. There you go. Need to make them a sponsor. You ask you, you shall receive. Um, we got this one from Banab. So, bun O B B Banab Banab Dray the Enforcer Greenlaw for President. Dre is the man. He is the man. Um, if you know, I've asked these guys many times in the locker room, man, if you could have one guy covering you in a barroom brawl, who would you want? Most frequent answer, Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw or Trent Williams? That's good. That those are the only two acceptable answers in my mind. I asked uh, Ziz Al Shayer this question last year, and he's like, he, he starts looking around the room. So it's, it's hilarious when you ask the question and guys start looking around, like, who's in here? That was? <laughs> <laughs> and he he goes over, he looks over at Dre, and he's like, he points over at Dre, and he's like, yeah, you know, if things were going down, Dre would roll up. Dre would roll up. I'm like, all right, good answer, Aziz. Uh, Anthony says premeditation of harm to any player is crossing the line. Period. Thank God, Packer fans dismissed said comment. Gabriel Boyce, Warriors now show how good Jerry Krause was. 
second three Pete was totally different team besides Michael and Scotty. Clarence Beeks, member for 19 months. Does anyone miss uh, Giants bootlicking on the radio? LOL. Yeah, seriously. God. My God. Farhan doesn't even think he needs a hitter. I can't even believe it. Losing my ass over here. Uh, Kevin Bodan. 49ers are owning the Bay. Giants and Warriors can can wait until football season is over, LOL. Yeah, that's pretty much true, huh, Damon? I mean, um, the Warriors, I mean, they talk about them a ton on 95-7, but I, I get the uh, interest. I get the feeling the interest is a little bit waning and will well, look, continue. Yeah, we're, we're at the end of a, an incredible Warriors conversation. And by the way, no one should be mad at the end of this. Like these no, are players no. that you keep around that to, to, to be contending and regarded as a contender for the better part of a decade is more of a run than any team usually ever gets in anyone's lifetime. It's been an incredible run, but it feels like it's absolutely at the end of the run. And the San Francisco Giants since I've been here, have never mattered less than they do right now, today. Tomorrow can change, maybe yesterday, but today the San Francisco Giants matter so little. I can't believe what they've done to themselves. It's really amazing, and especially that they would take this opportunity with the other team essentially ceding the entire area to them that they would mean less than ever before it's more than an indictment just on baseball. It's an indictment on the way that the Giants have run operations and shame on them. They've never meant less, and football has never meant more. So there you go. I don't understand what the what the poor Giants are doing. I mean, it's like it's amazing. I mean, uh, there was an article that I put out um, um, about there. This is the quote from Farhan. He says, "We feel pretty good about where our pitching staff is, position player wise. There's still some things we'd like to do." Add a add a little bit more to the infield. Try to continue to upgrade defensively. That's like, dude, what are you even talking about? Your hitters are awful. Right. Your your team last year was 28th in average, 24th in on base percentage, 27th in slugging, 26th in OPS, last in stolen bases, 19th in home runs, 24th in runs scored. And no mention of, and you went after Shohei Otani, didn't get him, and you've added nothing. I mean, what? Right. Excuse me. You should have $700 million laying around to operate with. What the heck are you even? I mean, you update the resume, Jack. It's almost over for you. I mean, I, I don't know I, what I don't even know what to say to that. You don't think you you don't need Cody Bellinger. You don't need Reese Hoskins. You don't need Jorge Soler. My God. Giants. I Farhan. Clueless. The dumbest smart guy in the history of the world. Farhan Zaidi. Easily smartest dumb guy or dumbest smart guy. We don't know. Yeah, we're not World sure. Tallest midget. As uh, in the in the movie for about last night. At this point, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> that was a Jim Belushi to uh, to uh, Rob Lowe on the on the on the uh, on the bus talking about was she a pro? At this point, we don't know. It was a good story. Old movie. All right, Damon, you got a final thought? What do you got cooking the rest of the day? I will be streaming at 1045 with Chase Sr. We'll get a national perspective on Niners, Packers from a guy who covers the Niners and the Eagles uh, for Chat Sports. That's coming up at 1045. And then uh, Grant and I are going to hook up at 430 today. Um, and then I think I'm in between there. I've got a Packers special coming up 
as, as well. Somebody from Green Bay possibly stopping by. It's a big, big day. A lot planned on the channel today. What do so you got cooking? I've got the longest continuously running sports phone in America. KNBR can say that they just brought it back. The day that they let FP and Paulie <laughs> go, I started sports phone and it's mine now. And they can pretend that they brought it back, but I have the longest continuously running sports phone in America. And we're going to go ahead and take some calls, some video calls at 11 o'clock over on the Plus. We're going to talk about this upcoming weekend. We've certainly talked about it a lot. I want to hear what people have to say. Uh, so we're going to be taking some calls over on my channel starting at 11, and then we'll let everyone know we're back at it. Wake up on Sunday morning, 9 a.m., and then we'll be back at it even again, 8 a.m. on Monday morning. So we will be there for you day after Niners play, even on a Sunday. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming on Monday here together. Uh, I will, of course, be going live at the two-minute warning. I know, Larry, you're going to be at the stadium, so you'll be on afterwards. We will combine forces. We will form football Voltron at some point here. And hopefully we're talking about the date That'll be coming up in the NFC title game because that is what the Niners did. The Niners must survive this Saturday night. There is no, no excuse to be tolerated. No excuse will be accepted. Failure is not an option. And I don't go talking like that. And Larry, you don't go talking like that. But that's the situation the 49ers have painted themselves into that corner. They want to be in that corner. They have earned their right into that corner, and now they got to fight their way out of it. On to Las Vegas, they go. Get it done. Who's Dale Get talking it. about here? He says, Damon, did you see our favorite announcers calling our game on Saturday? Who's who's your favorite? Who's you and Dale's favorite announcer? I I don't. Is it Kevin Harlan? I don't know. Aaron Andrews is on the. She, Dale says Aaron Andrews on that crew. I'm not sure who else. Oh, so it's, is, is it, it Joe be Buck? And is gonna be the, no, isn't that the uh, Greg Olson? Greg Olson, uh, Kevin Greg, Hart. Uh, I think Greg Olson's really Kevin good. Burkhart. Burkhart. Yeah. Kevin Burkhart. Yeah, Little Burkhart. baby KK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great commercial. Kevin Burkhart's really underrated and, and a really, really nice guy. And I'm going to tell you, I think Greg Olson's phenomenal. I think Greg Olson is really, really good as a broadcaster. He is prepared. He understands it. He has done his study. He understands like what Greg Olson was doing just a regular season game with the Niners. And he broke down the, Ambry Thomas, Isaiah Oliver switch and battle between the two and what they've done for Steve Wilkes, like you and I would have. Like he knows the background on things, which means he's wildly prepared. I think he's really good. So yeah, that is that should be the number one Fox crew going, right? It's, it's Burkhart and Craig Olson. <laughs> I always love Fox. I you know, I can't watch CVS. I told Tate, I told Tommy, I, I had an Amici's. I was watching CVS and I thought to myself, you know what? I prefer Fox. I, I just like Olsen. You know, I like baby KK. I think he's got talent. I've always said it. I've always, when I see baby KK, I always say to him, Tate, I think you're very talented. Let's go to Amici's and, and get a, get a, you know, we'll have a nice pizza. It's a little flat. It's not deep dish. It's not Chicago pizza, but you're going to, you're going to, You'll like it. I, I really think you'll like it, Kev. Uh, I wrote down one name and I put it in an envelope and it was little baby KK. Little baby KK's name is in that envelope. I knew that that's who I was taking. You bring Greg Olson along with him. What you have is an incredible duo. That's where we're going. That's my draft plan. 
Everyone, thank you very much. Like and subscribe on the way out. Good luck to the 49ers against the Packers. And Larry and I will talk to you at 9 a.m. Wake up Sunday morning. Be there. Have a great afternoon, everybody. And whatever you do, don't tear your ACL. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.